0: Tune into to the Neil Prendeville show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM.
1: Your calls and comments are welcome as always. There's a story on Echo Live this morning. Talks of, uh, you know, another court case from the Cork courts where a young man who had 114 previous convictions has been caught with drugs for the eighth time. And uh, in Cork court yesterday, this is before the Cork district court, he got a four-month suspended sentence caught eight times with drugs 114 previous convictions and a suspended sentence and um, there's another interesting court case making the red tops this morning i see it in the star it's the story of a convicted uh, uh, father who spent 16 years in jail for the murder of his infant son yusuf ali abdi uh, was subsequently years later found not guilty of the murder by reasons of insanity Um, And his murder conviction, having spent 16 years in jail, his murder conviction was quashed by the Court of Appeal uh, last year and a retrial was ordered. And he was diagnosed as being a paranoid schizophrenic back in 2013. So on that basis, uh, the uh, conviction was quashed Um, It didn't bring his son back to life or anything like that. And he is now suing the state. So that's kind of an interesting one, I think, see how that will play out in the courts in the in the coming weeks and months. Mind you, weather-wise, I have to say, August has been recorded as one of the wettest on record. You know, it just the summer really didn't deliver. Sure, it didn't. I mean, it, like, the early days of lockdown, certainly the weather was super. And we were thankful for that, I know. But the summer didn't deliver by and large, unfortunately. Um, the Irish Times this morning talks of a worrying rise in COVID-19 cases amongst older people. It's a front-page story for them. They're talking about the 70 cases amongst the over 75 in the past fortnight Uh, and also you know the virus is shutting schools Uh, the mirror this morning leads with yet another school being shut a primary school forced to close days after reopening because uh, staff were identified as close contact with a COVID-19 patient Uh, and on that basis tools down the worry of course going forward will be um, a and D admissions the amount of people on hospital trolleys and sitting on uh, you know like chairs in A&E areas and you know, the flu and the winter vomiting bug and COVID-19. They call it in the examiner this morning a toxic combination as we go into uh, the winter. But with the pubs, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, and it's not a train. It's um, the pubs being able to reopen. The wet pubs, they call them. They're um, they, they are going to look at the prospect of opening the pubs again on the 13th of uh, September. With a view to allowing the pubs to open in early October, the will have three, three strikes and no stout is a headline from this morning star because there will be very stringent controls now when the boozers get to open. So they're expecting that what they call pubs roadmap in about 10 days time. And the publicans want plenty notice so they can get ready. I'd say they could, I'd say the publicans at this stage would open in 24 hours. Uh, But it's interesting. So the pubs will get to open and it looks as if it's going to be early October. And one person who's been helping that is a man who nailed his colours to the mast on this yesterday, Leo Varadkar, who told his Fine Gael colleagues that regular pubs should be given a chance should be given the chance to reopen. So at least in fairness, he has an opinion on something and he's not afraid to voice it. But the doll bar is the doll, is the one that interests me. The only bar interesting me right now at this moment is the doll bar because apparently the mail this morning says, Eructus, an Eroctus staff member tried to get an exemption um, for the doll bar, which would have allowed the doll bar to serve drink Without food, but the idea was dismissed because they were afraid that the public would, uh, would there'd be a backlash, a backlash there would, be, there would be a revolution with that to happen. But what I did get to see then, dug it out from the inside pages of the mail, is the food that was on offer in the Doll Bar yesterday. Right, and it's all averaging between nine. And €11, okay? So assume that all of this is like €11. Roast crown of turkey with croquet potatoes and gravy. Lamb koftas with savoury rice, sun-dried tomato sauce... Pan-fried sea trout with spring onions and hoisin sauce, char-grilled aubergine with roast red pepper and feta, I suppose, for the vegans, Um, chicken salsa, gourmet beef burger on a brioche bun, smoked salmon salad, chicken Caesar salad, Um, cold meat salad and dessert, four euro, fresh fruit salad with yogurt or fresh cream and apple pie with ice, with, uh, with fresh cream. So that's where they get in the doll. That's the doll menu on a daily basis. I suppose they only started serving it yesterday they we only went back to your, yeah, they only went back to work yesterday. So the papers also to talk about Brussels as to, you know, who's going to get the job and who's not. It looks if like Simon Coveney won't go for it. Uh, we don't, we don't expect to get the trade gig that we lost with the resignation of Phil Hogan, we've lost that portfolio, so Simon Hogan, Simon Coveney will stay, looks as if uh, it will be instead the MEP Mauraid McGuinness who will get it but don't you love that story of Kaiser, the 11 year old husky dog, makes the echo today, now he was stolen from his home outside Cork City while his owner was at work, he was only two years old, I'd love to speak to the family on this Derek O'Brien, the owner of the spa dog grooming salon, St. Patrick's Woolen Mills in Douglas, said the dog had been microchipped and was found in Limerick in recent weeks. And the owner and the dog were reunited after nine years. And even though the dog was stolen at the age of two, he instantly recognized the owner. Instantly. I mean, that just goes to show dogs are incredible creatures, aren't they? Sinead O'Connor wants to be a death midwife. Why not? I think Sinead O'Connor would have a very calming influence on people. She wants to help people in in palliative care to prepare for death two thumbs up on that one. I think that's a lovely thing to do and if that's what she wants to do and help people, good luck to her with it. Irish kids are the least happy in the EU. Do you know I'm always digging out research? Well, Irish youngsters are the least satisfied with their lives in the European Union. Uh, And we actually can back that up, unfortunately, with very high levels of suicide in this country. The report from UNICEF says that where our children's well-being shows that they are struggling with their mental health, with suicide, unhappiness, obesity, poor social and academic skills. And that's become very common now for kids in Ireland. And in fact, it's become very common, to be honest with you, when in, in very, in countries with, you know, a lot of money. Um, what they call high-earner nations, I suppose. And, and Harry and Meghan are big-time high-earners. They have just put a signature to a €75 million euro deal with Netflix to create documentaries and feature films. Uh, who's laughing now? The Neil Prenderville Show.
0: With Tesco,
2: save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie.
1: Another couple of local stories actually of interest. Everybody's very touchy-feely around the shaky bridge. Uh, nobody's getting answers to the questions about the shaky bridge as to why it's taking so long or why, as it seems to me, work on it seems to have ground to a halt. It should have been well open by now. We have no idea when it's going to be open again. And oil English is asking some questions. I'm not sure he's getting the answers he wants in this morning's uh, Irish Examiner. Because it would have been great to have the old shaky bridge back across the summer, wouldn't it? God only knows when we will. Tides open at one 106 Happy to return to some topics from yesterday, if you don't mind. And one of them is hospital-related. Not the main one. Well, the main one it is if you're giving birth. The CUMH. Doreen, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Thank you so much. Well, Are you 18 weeks gone, as we say?
3: Yes, 18 and,
1: weeks gone. So just four and a half months. Does it? Is this your first? It is, yeah, it is. So, so exciting times. Very exciting times, but very different times during COVID. Now, all the hospital policies in the country seem to be different, don't they? They are, yes. Okay, and what is the deal in the in the COMH?
3: So in uh, the CUMH, um, so for all the scans, the twelve week scan, twenty week, and non, anomaly scan, um, so on, you have to go alone. Okay, uh, so only the the mother can go. There's no partners, no nothing. When you are brought in for labour, um, you can have one nominated par- partner with you that's only allowed to come in for the act of labour. So just right at the end, just to be there for the birth. They are allowed to stay for one hour after the birth and they must leave. They can't come back until you're going home. So I suppose there's hospitals around the country at the moment that are allowing people um, to be there. So there's just a bit of conflicting information.
1: Yeah, give me an example of a best case scenario in another maternity hospital.
3: The Rotunda in Dublin, okay, very well known hospital. um, Are allowed the partners um, are allowed to go to the twenty week scan with you, um, so that they can see the kind of how the baby is progressing and what it's like, you know, this exciting time, you know, seeing these little arms, little legs, the feet. uh,
1: Sorry, you need to move around a little bit there if you don't mind because it's not a great phone line. A twenty yeah. weeks a, a twenty week scan, which is that's the video. Correct. You see the video. You see the it live is. pictures,
3: and that's where they check for any kind of. Um, defects or anything like that as well so they're allowed to be there for that then after the birth in the same hospital in the Rotunda the partners or any you can nominate one person it doesn't have to be a partner is allowed to be there once a day so they're allowed two hours a day to come in and visit give you a hand help you I don't know help you have a shower you know bring in a change of clothes whatever you need um, they are tested, are not tested, but they get their temperature checked beforehand. It's the same in Letterkenny. General, it's the same in Galway University Hospital as well.
1: So, would it be fair to say the CUMH has the have the most restricted um, <laughs> regulations? <laughs>
3: They do. And it's not just the CUMH. You've got other ones as well. So you've got the Waterford University or the Regional Hospital in Waterford. There is other ones. It's, I suppose it's frustrating because if I was living in Dublin, like this is our first baby, my partner would be able to be there with me and he would be able to see this amazing thing going on. He's very disinvolved with everything. Now, Neil, I am... Um, fully compliant with everything COVID, I understand that there is a pandemic at the moment and that there's restrictions to try and, you know, contain this virus and um, I'm very respectful of that. But if you know, if we can pop over to pennies or if we can go into town and all go for a meal with a load of other people, why can't my partner be there for one of the most amazing days of our lives?
1: Even if he were to remember the the bad old days when people had to gown up and stuff even if he yeah. was to do that would be okay and wouldn't it?
3: And um, be tested beforehand and even if after the birth that he was allowed so if you have six women in a room in a maternity ward that they have allocated time slots that they're allowed to come and visit I'm going to need him you
1: know <laughs> Will you? Will you? Oh I will of course It won't be a nuisance in the way?
3: No he wouldn't No What, do you, is, going,
1: what do you need him what would you need him for?
3: I'll need him for support it's going to be very, I'm, I'm scared about it I, I want know. to be doing this on my own I, know. I could be in labour for 20 hours beforehand I may not but I could be and there's only going to be nurses and they're strangers to me while they are amazing and they know what they're doing I want this person who knows me and who knows how to support okay, me Okay, so um,
1: you need him for comfort you need him for support and, and you said was you will be scared to. and you want exactly. him there Yeah, You're um, fearful um, of it, yeah
3: absolutely and and even afterwards Neil when the baby's born he gets an hour okay and then he has to leave he just goes home and sits down and waits for two or three days until we come home that's going to be very hard on him he's just as excited and as far as I'm concerned he's you know with, we're 50-50 this together and you know it's, it's hard on him as well you know what I'd love to, to do
1: anymore. now I'd love to talk to um, somebody who's recently given birth under those circumstances and get them to yeah. describe what they thought of it and uh, you know Particularly somebody who has well, I'd like to start to with a first-time mom, and also somebody who's had a, a, a couple of babies there—one under normal circumstances and one now. that would be good to see their thoughts on it, wouldn't it?
3: Exactly, absolutely. No, I, I've I'm like the scan.
1: Young, the, the scan is 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 very sad because you would have thought that that would have been doable, like just to pop absolutely. in to see the screen. I
3: mean, I no, we all have different kinds of thoughts and opinions on things. I believe if I'm, in, we're living together. If i if is if, if afraid that one of us is going to bring in any kind of, you know,
4: infection yes, or anything
3: it. like yeah. that? We're both going to have it. You know the way the moment that you go in and you get your temperature checked and then you have to wear your mask. Absolutely, okay. why can't he do the same? Just it's a ten-minute appointment to be there and see what's going on. You know, see this baby growing inside of me. Now you can not do it privately. There is private places um, around Cork where you can pay a hundred euro, you go in, they do a scan for you, you get to see it. But. You know,
1: that's, Oh, it's a shocking line. Oh, it's terrible line, Dorian. It's a shame. It's, I didn't know you could go to somewhere private for a hundred euro. And both of you see the screen. So that's two. That's in two weeks' time. You're going to be doing the anomaly scan. That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've yeah. been in touch with the COMH on your behalf, and I, and I know I did this months back as well, and they were saying it's because of COVID restrictions, etc., and keeping numbers down in the hospital and protecting patients and protecting staff. But one would think that maybe they could be a little bit more relaxed on it now, but I'm waiting for them to come back and see what the policy is now. It seems to have changed very little, if at all, Yeah.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I know the line is very bad, and in the country. I
1: but do I stay, just, do do stay listening because I would like to talk to mums who've been through this, see what they make absolutely. of it. You know, okay, all right.
5: absolutely. Perfect. Okay, hang in
1: there. My apologies about the phone lines. Appreciate that. Uh, actually, there's an email on this as well. Uh, perhaps you could get information on why the CUMH is still not allowing partners in. Just like Doreen is saying, there, the, our ladies of lords and the Rotunda are allowing partners to visit their premises, but it doesn't seem to be happening in Cork. I and other expectant mothers find. Find this extremely unfair as most of the corona cases are in Dublin. Why do we have to suffer the consequences? I'm a first time mum, my partner has missed out on so much. He hasn't even seen the baby. Uh, I come home from every appointment and I feel such guilt telling him how exciting it was seeing our baby on the monitor or even hearing its heartbeat. He feels so left out. This is something that we should have heard and seen together. There's no amount of extended paternity or maternity leave that can give us that special moment that has been taken away from us. All I ask is even half an hour for partners to see their own children. It's as much as the mother's child as a father or a partner's child. Uh, you know, that's in... Mother's child, father's child, partner's child, equally equally important. It's very stressful for expecting mothers. I would love if you could find out why it's happening in Cork when it doesn't in other hospitals. And would this restriction be lifted or changed anytime soon? And there's another email on it here, which I'll go back to in in a few minutes time. But if you don't mind, I just want to talk to one, two, three, four, five. Talk to Jamie. Jamie, good morning.
6: Hi Neil, how are you?
1: Ah, oh, this is fantastic. Now, thank you for calling. You you had a baby on the first of August under those conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but what about the yeah. lead up, like the scans and things?
6: So um, prior to lockdown, um, so as I said to the, to you know your colleagues, so um, I'm not with the baby's father. So it was my mum that was with me um, at the appointment. Um, and she was with me prior to uh, lockdown and then afterwards, like that, I was on my own and was in the same position as your uh, previous caller. was very nervous being my first child, even going to the appointments because I had a very complicated pregnancy from nearly day one. Um, so, yeah, it was very nerve wracking as well. So... Um, I do agree with that that part of it, but as I said to your colleague, the the hospital themselves are absolutely amazing. Could not fault them at all.
1: Okay, so you went in to labour, was it, or did you have a section? or What was it?
6: No, so I was um, I was scheduled for an induction on the 2nd of August but I actually went myself um on the Friday going into Saturday morning on the 1st of August. Oh so, so went. I, it you was, went it was, it you went I went myself yeah.
1: So all of this was you know the birth and everything and the labor you were on your own.
6: Yes. Well, no, I done most of it at home on my own. So, or with my, with my mum, like, so I went into labour at 4am, um, and we contacted the hospital about like an hour later. Um, my labour was actually very fat. So at about half the sixish, I ended up at the cumh in the emergency room. Um, they checked me; I was four to five centimeters at that stage. My mum thought she'd have to go away um, and come back, but they said no, um, and we went down to delivery straight away at that stage. Um, and my mum was with me then the whole uh, the whole time. But well, what's my the? How could that
1: be if they're saying just for the delivery and leave yeah. after an hour? Was that what happened?
6: Yeah, no. No, that's not what happened. My son was born at 20 to 3. Um, my mum was with me the whole time that I was down there. The only time I was actually alone, Neil, was when I was in the emergency room just being checked, um, just by, by reception in the CUMH. So I was in there on my own, um, being checked how far along I was. And then I was brought down to uh, the delivery suite, and my mum was called. She was just outside the door, being checked and stuff like that with the temperatures and things like that. And I was, and she was called at that stage. She even brought my bag down to the delivery suite, and she was with me the whole time down there. My son was born at like twenty-two, three, and then my mum was with me a couple of hours afterwards.
1: And did somebody eventually ask her to leave?
6: No, no, no. She actually only left because of the fact that her lift was over in Wilton. That was the reason. All right. Okay. She, she, they were they were actually very good with her, very lenient with her. They didn't they didn't suggest leaving at all. They were very kind of like, oh, will we get you a cup of coffee? Do you want something to eat? To my mother, no, not to me. Um, and yeah, they were absolutely amazing.
1: But doesn't seem as if they're complying with the information that they're giving out as to you know you can I don't know whether it was different because it was your mother. It might have been different if it was a man. I don't know. But you know, could to,
6: could well be. I mean, I wouldn't have an opinion on that, but yeah, with 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 my labour anyway, I had the support there. Um, and as you said afterwards, like your previous caller, I would No, they let so you in for they let in. the
1: man in for the labour. I think to to an extent, yeah. he's got to be waiting outside until the very last minute. Yeah, this is my interpretation of it. And at the very last minute, then he can go in, stay for the birth, oh, yeah, we, stay for an hour, that and that's it.
7: it.
6: Yeah. And that was my understanding prior to me going into labour. But as I said, and that's why I was very nervous, because of the fact that it is my first child. I had a complicated pregnancy, didn't want to be on my own, didn't want to be around strangers that I didn't know not having anyone there. But as I said, that wasn't my experience. It was, it, it, they, I couldn't fault them. They are absolutely amazing.
1: And tell me, was she able to come back and visit over the next couple of days? No, no,
6: no, no. So it was just video calls, but then again, like that, the midwives on the floor on the ward were absolutely fantastic. So if I needed a shower, if I wanted to go down to the shop, they'd take the baby. The, and then obviously you have you still have people in the rooms with you. Um, if you're if you're a public patient, so you still have other mothers, new mothers in in the wards with you, and everyone is just supporting everyone else. Gotcha,
1: gotcha. So baby home, little boy, little girl,
6: yeah, little boy. Name yet? Yes. His name
1: is Cody. Cody, can I ask you yeah. a question? Was that the name you always intended on? Do you know how we give we it have a name? We have a name exactly. in our head, and exactly. we see the baby, the name doesn't suit.
6: It actually was, and I was terrified because I wasn't after thinking of any other names.
1: <laughs> Cody, it's a lovely name. Yeah,
6: it's a beautiful yeah. name.
1: And mom and Cody, well,
6: yes, we're both doing fine. Yeah, thank you.
1: All right, girl. Thanks for taking the call. Congratulations. Perfect.
6: Thanks, Neil. Laura. Good day.
1: morning. You too. Laura, good morning.
6: Morning,
7: morning how are you?
1: Okay, now, I've apparently there's going to be a bad phone line day today. I can just feel it. So anyway, your baby's, what, three months old now?
7: Yeah, she's three months new, um, since Monday, yeah.
1: and um, we're, So that's right in the middle of, what was that, May, April, May, June?
7: She was June? born the 1st of June, the 1st yeah. of June. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, um, like, we had, like, expenses was a bit different because my labour was very long. But we, um, I went into the hospital Sunday morning at 3 o'clock, and my husband wasn't there until the Sunday night at 10 o'clock. So it was quite a long time, but even when he was allowed in, we went down to the Labour ward, and um, she wasn't born until the Monday afternoon then. So he,
1: he wasn't there for 45 hours of Labour?
7: No, no. As in the total, right. the total amount of labour I was in. But um, he, he came in the Sunday night at ten, and she Forty. was born at one o'clock on the Monday.
1: So that's forty-five hours of labour. Even to me, that sounds very, very long.
7: Yeah, like it's just, it just—it wasn't daily. So uh,
1: it was a very short process. But... No, I, I'll, try, I'll try a better line because I am keen to talk to you about 45 hours of labour, if nothing else, Laura. But we'll have to get the phone line to improve a little bit. Uh, Janice, good morning.
5: Good morning. How are you? OK,
1: thank you for calling. What have you got? What's on your mind?
5: I had a planned section in April, the 29th of April, so I was right in the middle of everything as well. But um, I had a really good experience. It was my third child, it was my third section. Um coming up to it I we were worried, like and we were upset that my husband wouldn't be there for a lot of it. Um but from that morning, like my husband dropped me up, he had to wait outside while I went in and checked in and everything. Um then I'd say about two or three hours after I got called for my section, he met us outside the theatre. And he was all gowned up and everything. We went in. The procedure took about 45 minutes, I'd say. Now, he got to stay for about an hour, an hour and a half afterwards. Yes. Um, But it actually was fine in the end. I think everything, because everything went okay, it was just a really positive experience. We were so happy. We were so grateful that it just ended up being like really, really nice. We were just so happy with everything he went home to our other two boys I was in there for three nights and it was like a little holiday inside there I I was worried coming up to it that I wouldn't have any visitors that he wouldn't be able to come in but it was actually such a relaxing experience I'll never forget it it was lovely I got to bond properly for a couple of days with baby and everything I thought it was brilliant.
1: But how did he feel about not being able to go in it for
5: the days? I days? It was very To be where it was. Like, we'd video call all the time and everything and so we'd constantly be sending him videos and pictures. Um, but, and he was busy, I suppose. with so the the two kids there at home. So it was, it was hard on him, but it was fine in the end. Like, it, it was a lot easier than we expected in the end. And
1: you had a nice welcome break, you're saying. Found it quite relaxing. I, did.
5: I thought it was so relaxing, yeah. Like, I got up in the morning, I had my breakfast, all oh, the staff was so nice. We just got to really relax. I didn't worry about anyone coming up. Now, with my other two kids, I never had visitors either because there was always something going on. One baby was sick, the other time there was another restriction going on. But this time it was just, I think because I was so worried about COVID for the whole pregnancy, everything was getting really kind of serious, kind of coming up to my own plan section date with COVID. You are probably even hospital,
1: worried about going into a hospital, I suppose.
5: I was, yeah, absolutely. I like, got everything. But I think once I got in to have baby, I completely forgot about COVID. Like when I was at home, I was watching the news every day, I'd be watching the numbers every day. And I just forgot it even was happening on the outside when I was in there with the baby.
1: Super stuff. So it was yeah. a beautiful experience then. It would would, like would it that. have been different, though, if you had 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 hours of labor, um, you know?
5: It probably was. No, I was struggling, too, because I had, like, surgery and everything. It was really sore and everything, and the recovery afterwards is longer. But it, it is, pandemic. yeah, yeah,
8: yeah.
5: Everything takes over when you've a good, healthy, happy baby with you. Uh, just everything worked
1: out. Lovely stuff. Appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for that, Janice. No problem at all. Appreciate it. Um let me talk to Justin actually get it from the perspective of a man. Justin, good morning. Morning, Neil, how are you? I'll go back to Sharon, I promise. Your partner, the baby boy, um oh back in the in late March, wasn't
9: it? March, yeah. She was booked in for an induction on the twenty third of March. So she was to be dropped to the hospital at nine o'clock on the Monday. Um
1: March was very early days of COVID. If it had been May, we'd have been at the height of it. But what was it like at the back end of March?
9: We got up there on the Monday around 5 to 9, and there had two tents outside, the triage tents outside the, next to the bridge. So we had our temperature checks, and I got as far as the sliding doors, and I really rubbed, tackled by security. Um, my wife, Stacey, was in front of me, and I had the bags, and he just said, you can't go in, and I kind of stood there, froze surprised I I didn't know what was going on oh you and
1: hadn't been aware wife. of the protocol no
9: no no and to be fair it had been changing every day leading up to then so um, one security guard just kind of walked away after he said it and the next security guard said look very sorry about this and I said look I, I, there's no need to apologise I said, but just tell me what actually is happening so I had to leave the bags there with the security and, and my wife then was brought upstairs so I left and I went home and then um, was she okay with uh,
1: that was she upset about that
9: all quite upset because you see they, they kind of get to be technical now because she had been in the hospital the Thursday before on a pregnancy issue um, and she was actually, um, I a three year old my three year old son himself and the mother were actually referred for uh, a COVID test the week before so when my wife was admitted with um, pregnancy issues um, they actually put her on the fourth floor in an isolation unit because she had been referred for um, a COVID test so, they'd done the COVID test in the hospital on the Thursday, and her results came back on the Saturday, which was all clear. Now, she was discharged on the Friday um, um, after the pregnancy related issues. Everything was fine, thankfully. And uh, because the test came back negative, the induction could still go ahead on the Monday. Mm. So going back to Monday then, to the Monday then, so she was brought upstairs into a room and the induction was due, due to be booked. So I got a phone call then Tuesday at about quarter three. We'd been in contact regularly and she was crying on the phone saying, it's time, it's time to bring me downstairs. Now, what happened was I was, we live in Moorn Abbey near Mallow, so I stayed in her mother's house up in the north side, so I was close to the hospital. And her mother, um, because the tests had come back negative, uh, was able to stay in our house and mind my three-year-old son because obviously we would have had an issue with that. So I shot to the hospital, I got to security and I said, my wife has gone into labour, they brought her downstairs and they brought me down and, and she was there um, in, in the room. Um, they broke a wall. As their own Do you
1: have to gown up now though? Sorry for interrupting.
9: No, I didn't actually, no. Um, sanitise my hands, you know. There was no masks or anything to sanitise our hands and again, it was the end of March, so it was pre Free the, the 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 hot time, you know. Yeah. So I got in, and she was there, and. The midwife was there and went through all the rigmarole. Now, what I will say is it was a completely different um, birth to when Killian was born three years ago. He was born April three years ago. Just a different experience. Um, he was Darryl was born at 6.42 then, a few hours later. And w- w- what benefited us was, because they do the shift change at 8 o'clock, we got an extra bit of time because of portals changing and stuff like that. So instead of so one hour, you got rather. two, is it? I was there from Quarpa Street at 9 o'clock. Oh, right, okay. Um, but after so, that yep. then were you asked to go? Oh, yeah, so when, uh, at 9 o'clock they were bringing Stacy upstairs along with Sarah um, up to a, a room upstairs and then it was like we're very sorry no, but you'll have to leave. And then every time they kept thanking me for being so understanding and I was like what am I going to do? I'm not going to start rolling and shouting. <laughs> you know, that's not going to get me anywhere. <laughs> so they brought Sarah and Stacey upstairs and I left. Now, because of the issues on Killian's, uh, uh, Killian's birth he had a lower heart rate and Daisy developed a, a GBS so it's 48 hours no matter how many births we go through she has to be kept in so they were kept in from Tuesday until Thursday uh, so I didn't see Daisy and Dara until Thursday night at 8 o'clock when they went up and collected them so I didn't see them for the two days
1: alright but I think there was a bit of Skype going on though was there?
9: Yeah, the WhatsApp video and stuff, but it's it's not the same. It's, not, know, the process, same. it's not the me. same. It's not the
1: same. But nothing's been um, the same in the last six months, you can say that for sure.
9: Yeah. But I just thought I'd give the father's perspective on it. Um, it there were two different pregnancies. Um, we did, like, we done the tummy time now with, with Sarah, which we didn't get to do on Killian, because, again, like, the heart rate, the drops that they were worried, it was just, he was born and that was it I got to cut the cord for that I didn't thank Killian they were completely different but I have to say and I, I know your previous callers have said it the midwives absolutely fantastic brilliant job fair yeah, pleasure it is very
1: interesting because I know the second one was an induction but the first one was labour was it no no sorry that was induction as well oh she both induction, induction because uh, Gary's makes an interesting point he says uh, that, that um, a labour ward is no place for a man a theatre where life has commenced for your baby. I won't give a, an accurate description of what he describes it as, um, but he says, um, you know, that um, you know, ma- a man shouldn't be around for this. Only medical people should be allowed in, but the snowflakes won't have it. You must be there. And Gary, probably old school, believes it's ridiculous that the men are there at all. Do you have any thought on
4: that?
9: Well, look, everybody's entitled to opinion. opinion. Um, I just know that I, I didn't do anything special. I just held Stacey's hands. You know, I told her she's doing a good job and just that reassurance, it makes all the difference in my opinion.
1: That's um, a great answer. That's a great answer. That's a great answer. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. Thanks, Justin. Congratulations. Text 868 106 lads. Let's see if this is any better just to finish that conversation with Laura. Laura.
7: Hi, Neil. Can you hear me now?
1: We'll give it a bash anyway. Where do we leave off?
7: Um, i was saying that it was a long labour.
1: 48 uh, hours, yeah. Yeah. Was that 48-hour was that labour now? Painful? Do you get to sleep?
7: Um, no. <laughs> like, uh, I was contracting for, like, I was contracting, I suppose, for a good 29 hours. And then I was able to get the epidural once I was the three centimetres dilated.
1: So for 29 hours of pain and no sleep?
7: Yeah. Yeah, more or less. Um, they give you kind of pesity. Now you can get pesity, which kind of wears off kind of the peak of the contraction, But you don't sleep still at the same time, you know. Oh, Um, God, I'm so glad I'm a man. <laughs> it's a man's
1: world. <laughs> it is in that regard, anyway. So, what stage was he allowed in then? This, of course, was uh, in the month of what? What month was it?
7: Um, so, she was born the 1st of June, yeah. Oh, um,
1: right, okay. Bad old June,
7: time. weekend. So, he came in on the Sunday evening at 10 o'clock. He was allowed in because I was three centimetres dilated and I was going down to the labour ward. And then she wasn't born until one o'clock on the Monday afternoon. So, he was there quite a long time. He was there for about I suppose sixteen hours.
1: Long time.
7: Yeah, yeah. Because I just wasn't isolating. And afterwards then afterwards she um she had to go to New York was a Neo fight and so right. after she was going they had to bring her to Neo kind of way. So she went down, my um, husband, he went down to the Neo just to kind of walk down with her. And he came back up to me and I was just being kind of wheeled up. And um, we just said bye to each other then. But um, he was able to go into the page. I had also, he was able to go into the
1: no, It's not happening for me again, Laura. My apologies. We did the best we could and I appreciate your contribution. And I'm glad that all are well and baby's home and the three of you are happy. Lines open one 106 um, This started yesterday from a, an email regarding um, Doreen who was 18 weeks pregnant and anxious at the thought she mentioned in the, on the air there with a... The, uh, a, few, a little while ago, that she was actually fearful and afraid to go through the labour alone. Back after the break, text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six.
0: Talk to Neil Printerville now. Eighteen fifty one oh four one zero six. Red FM.
1: Yes, indeed, and of course there are restrictions on many different things, and restrictions where you can go and who you can go with, and stuff like that. And of course, we're talking about possibly the pubs opening in early. Uh, October, mind you, would be under very, very strict conditions, I suppose. But other sections of society just get on doing their own thing, and we saw it went on in Killarney, and we saw the the the, the liquid br- the the um, bottomless brunch that went on in Dublin, you man and drink down people's throats with a bottle of whiskey and then, of course, scenes from Temple Bar and uh, lots of house parties and what have you. And it seems as if Cork will have its very own rave on the 26th of September. You bring your own booze to this rave, apparently. It will start at 9 p.m. of an evening and it will run through until 8 a.m. the following morning. The tickets uh, were sold through uh, an Instagram page, which had a link to Eventbrite and you bought the ticket there and then you also paid for the bus. The date, as I say, is um December, September 26th um, and it runs right through the night to Early morning, so we got in touch with them under the under the um, i suppose the pretense of wanting to buy one of these tickets to see what it was what it was all about, and they were very, very cryptic about um, as in the name cryptic they were also very cryptic about the amount of information they were saying up on their on their page that this is a private event, so you must message us for a password there will be transport to and from the event more details on the pickup locations will be given to. Ticket holders closer to the time. Uh, private events, so you have to have a password and then you wait, I suppose, until the very last minute and they tell you where to go to get on the bus. Now, it's totally sold out at this stage. So you buy the ticket and uh, I think tickets, maybe 10 or 12 euros, something like that. And then you've spent uh, an extra ten or then buying your place on the bus. Bus numbers were, uh, they were saying the bus company are strict on the numbers due to social distancing. See, only people that bought a ticket will be allowed on the bus. Face masks must be worn on the bus. Other, otherwise, the driver won't leave you on. There'll be no drinking on the bus, but it's only a short trip anyway. Uh, after we get off the bus, there's a small walk to get to the to the rave location. The less attention we bring to ourselves, the better. Everyone has to do their part for this to work. Then the real fun can begin and we can all have a great night. That's the kind of stuff... That they were putting up, um, you know, in an effort to sell the tickets for the rave. We got in touch with them then, um, and as you know, was regarding uh, you know tickets and on the site they were all sold out. So we started messaging them, and they said, uh, "We'll put you on a cancellation list." How many tickets are you looking for? We were saying we were looking for two, um, and you know, we we're trying to find out, you know, where was the where was the location? And they were saying no information on the location you'll find that out at the last minute tickets are a tenner the bus is 20 euro it'll pick you up in the city and it'll bring everyone back the following morning um so now we were just trying to, in an effort to get a little bit more information from them, um, how far out of the city is it? Uh, if the bus is 20 quid, it must be a fair old haul. Uh, and they were saying, no, it's not that far. It's It's down to COVID, I'd say, because we found it very hard, they said, to actually get a bus company that would take us. By right, they shouldn't be taking us at all due to the restrictions and everything. So we couldn't do much about the price. So it's, it's 20 euro. Uh, so that was the kind of response we got. We um, were asking what kind of numbers. And they said, there should be about, there should be about 100 or so at it. Uh, and we have a serious night planned. We were asking then what's the story regarding drink? Is there drink at it or do we bring your own? We were told you need to bring your own. Uh, then they, Then they came back saying that there was two tickets available for us to buy. But then that's when the kind of wheels came off the track. Um, because um, at some stage then, uh, they deleted us from their messages, uh, and they removed us from their page, Um, and that's as far as we got with it. So anyway, I I don't want to be a party pooper in any way, shape, or form. I'm just telling you the kind of things that are still going on. Uh, So there's a rave planned where everybody will get on buses and head off to a secret location and party away together. Uh, And raves, by their very nature, uh, can get, you know fairly hot and heavy so we got on to eventbrite to ask them are you aware that you're selling tickets on your website for a rave which under current circumstances should not be happening and they said we set we ticket millions of events every year and we strive to ensure that our community has a safe and a positive experience Uh, and they went on to say that they enable anyone to create an event and sell tickets through the platform but they need to to adhere to guidelines and the guidelines are very clear that event creators should not promote illegal or inappropriate activities using Eventbrite, which includes events that violate government measures to stop the spread of COVID-19. And they said it's our policy to remove events that are found to be in violation of our community guidelines. But they did tell us that it's worth noting that this event is planned for September 26th, while current government measures to stop the spread of the virus expire on September 13th. Uh, And they said that they will review it again when there's a change to the government guidelines. And that's as much as they could say. And I suppose no more than that, apart from whether or not they ever picked up on the fact that tickets were being sold for uh, a rave at these times. They obviously didn't. But they are expecting maybe a change that might allow raves to recommence again at the back end of September and allow that rave uh, to actually take place, which I doubt. Uh, so it's just an example of what actually is happening. Um, I'm curious as to what the Garda Chikana make of it, and whatever response from them, I will bring it to air, I promise you that. Okay, that's as much as I can tell you about the rave. It, incidentally, it sold out very, very, very quickly. I don't know whether they have capped the rave at 100 uh, or more. I honestly don't know because um, they're not communicating with us anymore. But I thought it was an interesting experience anyway to go through just to find out, you know, what was involved in it, it's very much cloak and dagger, but raves usually are, aren't they They're all, they all always were secret locations, so that's one planned uh, on Leaside, and if you have one person going to that with COVID-19, you'll have many of them coming away from it with COVID-19. Your thoughts, text 86 106 to the phone lines we go, Adam, good morning. Hello. How are you coping, my friend? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. Um, just reading through your backstory, but rather than reading it out on the air, I thought it'd be great if you just came on and we chatted through it, you know? Yeah, of course, absolutely. You've been doing an awful lot of work on yourself, haven't you? Yeah,
10: yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Why did you
1: need to in the first place?
10: Um, I felt that, with it tying into what's actually going on the more with mental health, um, I felt that I had to make a change for myself for my own mental health, um, and... I feel like it's something that's not really kind of like adhered to or spoken about nationally or, you know, on a community level. Um, and I felt by doing so, I could change um, like my own... Life and then possibly, by doing so, it can inspire other people then to change um, some things in their lives that they find negative. Good cool,
1: man, you're you're a, you're a hairstylist, don't you? Do you mind me yeah. saying where you're where you work? You were working, you probably yeah, are. Still. That's I'm in Coppers on on Half Moon Street, yeah. but that all that all everything closed way back along, didn't
10: it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. So we're back in there now since the 29th of I think it was June. It was June. Mm-hmm.
1: And. Did you find it difficult then when you were not working or were you having issues while working? I mean, you were describing problems with anxiety very much mm. um, made an awful lot worse if you went out partying with friends, is it?
10: Yeah, so like I would have suffered mental for years but I never really knew of a way of um, kind of rectifying it and I used to like uh, drink. Um, now, it'll be the 17th of September I'll be off um, drinking a year so I'll be sober a year. Um, was that a problem and, for you, Drink? Um, no, like it wasn't a case of like, you'd do it often, but it was just for me, it was just like when you go out, it's like a typical thing Like I speak to people about, and they're saying that like, you know, when you go out, you can't just go out for the two pints, you just stay out, that kind of thing, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I found that it was just having a negative effect on my mind. Um, and then it was starting to seep into, like, my physical day-to-day, I feeling more lethargic. It was starting to affect, like, my work, where I couldn't really concentrate. So it was just... So
1: crazy. your night out would result in having days to try and recover, is it?
10: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and do you yeah, think yeah. an awful yeah. lot of
1: people are like that, but they're slow to admit it?
10: Yeah, like, I think a lot of people, even, like, as you get older, so the whole we'll thinking of, like, oh, the hangover gets worse as you get older kind of thing. And it's like that whole mindset behind it and even I speak to people who come in to see me and like I have friends and everything like that and they're like oh I went out like on a Saturday and like, you're not right until the Tuesday kind of thing or just the Wednesday um, but like that's the thing is that like it works its way through the body and out the body and then you suddenly feel great and then by the weekend you're back there where you should be and then you're going to come back out again
1: and it's amazing then that we we never learned from that experience and we just went and repeated it again
10: yeah, you see, like, alcohol is, like, although, like, I'm not, not like, saying alcohol is the biggest issue in society, it's just that for me personally, I found it was an issue, and um, it was something that, you know, you wouldn't learn about it until you kind of come to the point where you're like, I need to stop this, I need to sort something out, I need to fix it, Um and that's what it was like for me. I feel that, like for people, like, alcohol is depressive, you know what I mean? But we don't realize it, and it's, it's like, addictive. It's the most addictive thing really out there, because it leads into other things. Um, but, like, it's definitely, like, an escape mechanism for people who are suffering.
1: You, you were mentioning to the lads, I don't know how much you want to go into this, because I, yeah. I am curious as to when parents divorce, what effect does it have on children?
10: Yeah, like, it can have an adverse effect, um, depending on how it's approached. Um, no, I just want to say, it, obviously, that maybe my parents are listening. Like, I, we had a very, very great upbringing. Um, we didn't have a bad upbringing. We had the best of the best when we were younger and everything like that. It's just, though, so, like, divorce can have that thing, especially depending on your age. Like, if, if you're around, like, say, my age, you now, we're in 28, It happened. then you'd be like, okay, cool, we can handle it. But it's just when you're at a precarious age of, like, you know, your teenage years, you're developing as a person, you're de- your mind is developing, you're trying to figure things out, even for yourself. Um, and it can have an effect on you, um, and it's like one of those things that unless the the mechanism is there for you to cope with it, you don't know how to approach it, to fix it, um, just for yourself, and like I find like how it's led to know is that even with like mental health and everything, um, that if it's something that you can't speak about, um, then it becomes like it's basically like you have roots to the tree, and the tree is growing and growing and growing the roots are going deeper and deeper and deeper and you've no way to kind of fix it Um, and my thing with it is that like although like we all say even with divorce and with relationships and any relationship we have in our lives like essentially it falls away because of the lack of communication and what I find is that like if you have a lack of communication with relationships they fall apart but isn't the most important relationship in your whole life with yourself and if you can't communicate with yourself in a positive manner and trying to like big yourself up then the communication falls away and then people suffer with their mental health Um, and I feel that like from a community level and like a national level, it's very difficult for people to speak about their mental health, although you see the ads of it's okay to talk, it's okay to do this and that and like a big thing about men's mental health in recent recent years. But um like we're not being told now how do you cope with your mental health going into the winter time when everyone knows the weather's gonna get worse, everyone knows it's gonna get darker, but no one knows, considering what's going on with the coronavirus, how we're meant to deal with all of that on top of what we usually deal with that outside stress that's now added into our daily uh, daily routines um, and it, like even at the government level I think like a few weeks back it was mentioned in the Dáil by a minister about like um, how do people cope with their mental health and what are we are going to do for mental health and I haven't seen anything about it since there's been nothing about it since and like people now are like trying to find a way to deal with it and if it, like the whole thing is like it's okay to talk it's okay to open up it's okay to speak about it but my rebuttal to that is that if the leaders of our country aren't speaking about it It whittles down. It's like you're looking at a leader and the leader is going to talk about things. And if it whittles down to, say, your staff or the people you're trying to influence, if the head of our country aren't speaking about things that really matter, like our mental health, how can we as a day-to-day person speak up like people around us, if we're looking at the TV and we're seeing these people aren't actually acknowledging what's
1: going on. Mm, sometimes they feel as if the cure is worse than the actual disease. But can, can, you ho- can you hold on to that because I just want to pick up on the end of the conversation after 10, Adam, if you don't mind. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. lads. We're back after 10.
0: Talk to Neil Printerville now. Eighteen fifty one oh four one zero six. Red FM To the phone lines we go, Adam, good morning. Hello.
1: How are you coping, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I was just reading through your backstory, but rather than reading it out on the air, I thought it'd be great if you just came on and we chatted through it, you know? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. You've been doing an awful lot of work on yourself, haven't you? Yeah.
10: Yeah. Why? Why, Why did you
1: need to in the first place?
10: Um, I felt that, with it tying into what's actually going on the more with mental health. Um, I felt that I had to make a change for myself for my own mental health um, and I feel that's something that's not really kind of like adhered to or spoken about nationally or, you know, on a community level um, and I felt by doing so I could change um, like my own... Life and then possibly, by doing so, it can inspire other people then to change um, some things in their lives that they find negative.
1: Good cool man, you're you're a, you're a hairstylist, aren't you? Do you mind me yeah. saying where you're where you work? You were working, you probably yeah, are. Still. That's in work Coppers on yeah. on Half Moon Street. Yeah. But that all that all everything closed way back along, didn't it?
10: Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. So we're back in there now since the 29th of I think it was June. It was June. Mm-hmm.
1: And. Did you find it difficult then when you were not working or were you having issues while working? I mean, you were describing problems with anxiety very much mm-hmm. um, made an awful lot worse if you went out partying with friends, is it?
10: Yeah, so like I would have suffered mental for years but I never really knew of a way of um, kind of rectifying it and I used to like uh, drink. Um, now, it'll be the 17th of September I'll be off um, drinking a year so I'll be sober a year. Um, was that a problem and, for you, Drink? Um, no, like it wasn't a case of like, you'd do it often, but it was just for me, it was just like, when you go out, it's like a typical thing that like, I speak to people about, and they're saying that like, you know, when you go out, you can't just go out for the two points you just stay out, like kind of thing, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I found that it was just having a negative effect on my m- mind. Um, and then it was starting to seep into like my physical day to day, feeling more lethargic. Was starting to affect like my work, where I couldn't really concentrate. So it was just.
1: So you know, your night out would result in having days to try and recover, is
10: it? Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, and Do you yeah, think yeah. an awful yeah. lot of people are like that, but they're slow to admit it?
10: Yeah, like I think a lot of people, even like as you get older, so whole we'll thing of like oh, the hangover gets worse as you get older, kind of thing. And it's like that whole mindset behind it and even I speak to people who come in to see me and like I friends and everything like that and they're like oh I went out like on a Saturday and she's like you're not right until the Tuesday kind of thing or just the Wednesday um, but like that's the thing is that like it works the way through the body and out the body and then you suddenly feel great and then by the weekend you're back there where you should be and then you're going to come back out again
1: and it's amazing then that we we never learned from that experience and we just went and repeated it again
10: yeah, you see, like, alcohol is, like, although, like, I'm not, not like, saying alcohol is the biggest issue in society, it's just that for me, personally, I found it was an issue, and, um, it was something that, you know, you wouldn't learn about it until you kind of come to the point where you're like, I need to stop this, I need to sort something out, I need to fix it, um, and that's what it was like for me I feel like for people like alcohol is depressive you know what I mean but we don't realise it and it's it's, like addictive it's the most addictive thing really out there because it leads into other things Um, but like it's definitely like an escape mechanism for people who are suffering
1: You you were mentioning to the lads I don't know how much you want to go into this but because I I am curious as to when parents divorce what effect does it have on children?
10: Yeah like it can have an adverse effect um, depending on how it's approached um, no, I just want to say, it, obviously, that maybe my parents are listening. Like, I, we had a very, very great upbringing. Um, we didn't have a bad upbringing. We had the best of the best when we were younger and everything like that. It's just so like divorce can have that thing, especially depending on your age. Like, if, if you're around, like, say, my age you now, we're in twenty eight. It happened, then you'd be like, okay, cool, we can handle it. But it's just when you're a precarious age of like, you know, your teenage years, you're developing as a person, your de- your mind is developing, you're trying to figure things out even for yourself, um, and it can have an effect on you. Um and it's like one of those things that unless the the mechanism is there for you to cope with it, you don't know how to approach it, to fix it. Um just for yourself. And like I find like how it's learned to know is that even with like mental health and everything, um, that if it's something that you can't speak about, um, then it becomes like it's basically like you have roots to the tree and the tree is growing and growing and growing the roots are going deeper and deeper and deeper and you've no way to kind of fix it um and my thing with it is that like although like we all say even with divorce and with relationships and any relationship we have in our lives like it, essentially it falls away because of the lack of communication and what I find is that, like, if you have a lack of communication with relationships, they fall apart, but isn't the most important relationship in your whole life with yourself? And if you can't communicate with yourself in a positive manner and trying to, like, big yourself up, then the communication falls away and then people suffer with their mental health. Um, And I feel that, like, from... A community level and like a national level it's very difficult for people to speak about their mental health although you see the ads of it's okay to talk, it's okay to do this and that and like a big thing about men's mental health in recent, recent years but um, like we're not being told now how do you cope with your mental health going into the winter time when everyone knows the weather's going to get worse, everyone knows it's going to get darker but no one knows considering what's going on with the corona worse. how we're meant to deal with all of that on top of what we usually deal with that outside stress that's now added into our daily uh, daily routines um, and it, like even at a government level I think like a few weeks back it was mentioned in the Dáil by a minister about like um, how do people cope with their mental health and what are we are going to do for mental health and I haven't seen anything about it since there's been nothing about it since and like people now are like trying to find a way to deal with it and if it, like the whole thing is like it's okay to talk it's okay to open up it's okay to speak about it but my rebuttal to that is that if the leaders of our country aren't speaking about it it whittles down. It's like you're looking at a leader, and the leader is going to talk about things. And if it whittles down to say your staff or the people you're trying to influence, if the head of our country and speaking about things that really matter, like our mental health, how can we as a day-to-day person speak up? Like people around us, if we're looking at the TV and we're seeing that these people aren't actually acknowledging what's
1: going on. Mm, sometimes they feel as if the cure is worse than the actual disease. But can, can you hold can you hold on to that? Because I just want to pick up on the end of the conversation after ten. Adam, if you don't mind. Text 0868-104-106, lads. We're back after ten. The Neil Prenderville Show.
2: With Tesco, save time and shop online. Simply log on to Tesco.ie.
1: Adam, I just ran out of time there just before ten o'clock. it was just curious, because firstly because of your age you're a 20 something right yeah, secondly with regards age. certainly with certainly secondly with regards to covid and i get mm. texts every day from your generation mm-hmm. saying that people should ease off young people you know it's difficult enough for all of us but it seems as if young people are getting a very bad rap uh, on mm. top of that of course you know we we're socially interactive as a species and for young people yeah. that's proving even more difficult you were saying you know that we we like to hug people you know, we like to touch, um, but we see, we seem to be almost ashamed to be able to do any of those things because of the dangers. But also the the fact that with more young people now, we're seeing more suicides, more self-harm, um, more of them reaching out for counselling. Why is that?
10: Um, it's it's hard to kind of, do you know what, this is the thing, is that it, if we had the answers to that, we'd have the solution to it at the same time. Do you know what I mean? And it's very difficult to kind of pinpoint why that is. Um, like, my thing is, at the moment, is, you know, it leads back to, as we're kids, like you, the mother and child nurturing, do you know what I mean? And being held and being loved by someone. And that's even a thing where, like, even me and my friends, we were greeting each other by hugging. We were agree sure other by, like, shaking hands, fist pumping, kind of, whichever it is that you do with your friends, you know. And now we're being told after six months you can't touch anyone, you can't go near anyone, and even with oh, well, my job, I have to, but like, just a day-to-day, do you know what I mean? And then like, it's like, if you go outside, you have to wrap up, you have to be there yeah. after seven. you have to go after yeah. others. And it's like, I understand it, um, but my thing is, it's not even just young people now, do you know, who are going to be um, under severe stress and pressure, um, like, you're going to have, like, I had a client the other day, Neil, and he said that his family has uh, a bingo hall, and, a woman came up to him who was in her 70s and she was part of all these clubs and she said, thank God you opened because other than this, I only had my knitting club who I just managed to join before the coronavirus came yeah, in. Yeah. Everything else has been cancelled. And then they're telling all people to stay home as well. The same thing, no, I understand it's a protection thing, but at the same time, you're completely segregating each individual community, you know what I mean? And putting each individual community um, under or age bracket, sorry, under their own personal kind of stress. And it's, I think overall we don't realise it, um, the stress we were under. Like I, I saw that last year there was 421 people who died through suicide and self-harm. Like that's mo- that's one a day and more. And do you think that so
1: that figure will be greatly increased this year?
10: I'd be afraid it will be, yeah. Because yeah. Like like I'd seen like the Samaritan's website and even the first thing you see is that they're looking for donations. They're under savage pressure. Looking for people to volunteer. Did you
1: ever call uh, them? Do you mind me asking? Did you ever reach out for that kind of help?
10: Um, I actually went to Samaritans in Park. Um, I can't remember where it is, but it's in Cork City. Um, I went there when I was nineteen once. Um, I was looking the a friend at the time. He thought he wasn't. He was worried about me and brought me down there
1: because and at the time it. there was self harm. Self harm wasn't there, and you were having what we call suicidal ideation.
10: Yeah, like, I never, like, harm myself. Um, no, you
1: were thoughts, thoughts of, I'm
10: saying. Past. Yeah, yeah, I did have thoughts in the past. And I think everyone at a young age now they will because they don't like especially coming out of school you might like for me I never got the college courses that I wanted because I just wasn't great at school you know what I mean um, and some people just like they feel that like after that it's like a what if what's meant to happen with my life and I like, don't oh, have these things in front of me and these opportunities um, and it's just a matter of like looking past that and seeing that there are more opportunities in life and like my I know, but is, see, the pressure's been,
1: on young people when they see all of these perfect lives on social oh. media and the, on media, and then they see all of these uh, choreographed photographs of people enjoying yeah. life. Sure, all of that is fake.
10: This is the thing. Like even for myself with my social media, like um, I try and be as honest as possible with it. Um, and I had people, people being like it's a breath of fresh air seeing you being honest and being, so you were
1: open so. about your struggles then and you talk and you communicate yeah. and you share and you encourage 100%. other people to do the same
10: yeah because as I mentioned earlier like you're not seeing from a leadership standpoint anyone out there being like let's talk and this is my thing and this is what I've done this is what's helped me and this is what I struggle with yes. whereas like I, I said to one of your colleagues yesterday that like for me, with my followers on my Instagram, my social media and people who take the time to look at what I'm doing in my day, if I can put something out there that's going to help one person, that's one person more than the day before. Fair play, you too. Know what I mean? Fair and, play. and like, I feel that like what's the point in having this following or having these people who want to see what you're up to and not putting something out there that could benefit them?
1: Just two points before I let you go. I was sent a photograph yeah. overnight. Um It's a it's a tweet which says this is a disgrace. It's a photograph. It says my eighty year old grand my my granddad eighty years of age forced to watch his local G A team on yeah. a ladder because uh, fans are not allowed into the grounds. And there's a I photograph of an elderly. Thing, yeah. Yeah, a, yeah, do you see that one? He's he's on a step ladder is. looking up over the 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 metal railings. And ne- who's next to him? But another. Uh, pensioner, yeah. and he's doing the very same thing, looking in over yeah. a railing. That's the kind of thing that leads to, like, serious depression,
10: like. Exactly. Like, this is the thing is that, like, it is it's very, very sad to see things like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, even, do you know, with, like, the pubs and stuff, like, I don't drink personally, as I mentioned, but, like, even with the pubs and stuff, some people have told me who are bartenders who come in to see me, clients, and they're like, do you know, some people, it's not even about going out in a massive night out. Some people just want that social aspect of being able to meet someone. That could be I their know. one thing in the week. Do you know, yeah. like that person, that pensioner, that, that could be his one thing that he looks forward to in the week. Sure, what, going down... Yeah, some are saying, what's, what's the
1: harm in him going inside and watching from the sideline on his own? Or, or everybody going in and just staying apart. Finally, listen, I'm going to have to move on, but are you aware of this rave at the end of the month that's been sold out and everybody will be told where the bus will pick him up? What do you make of that yeah. as a 20-something?
10: Um... You know, it's one of those things that if you keep people under the thumb for so long, they're going to want to kick back out of it. Yeah. You know, and it's like anything. It's like anything, like in any, any industry in any sector and anything at all. And but it, but uh, is it not irresponsible, though? <clears throat> There's a very gray area here because, like, it wasn't irresponsible to the golf game thing as well. Fair play to you. okay you know, at the same time.
1: Cheers, my man. Good to talk to you. If sure, anybody yeah. wants to follow, um, on you, what are you on Instagram? You on Twitter and yeah. all those kind of things? Yeah, Instagram. Follow Adam O'Callaghan on Instagram. He's a stylist in coppers, hair salon, on half moon street, and not afraid to talk. Another man who isn't afraid to talk, and we'll catch up with him, Senator Jerry Buttimer after the after the ad break. Hold on there.
0: This is the Neil Prenderville show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. One o four to one o six, Red FM, and you can text 0868104106. I
1: mentioned just after nine this morning that it was going to be a problematic morning with phone lines, and it is. So my apologies for that. If I'm kind of jumping all over the place, uh, but we'll drive on as best we can. By phone line, Senator Jerry Bottomer joins me. Morning, Jerry. Good morning, Neil. Um, it's fifteen days since um, Golfgate, as we call it, uh, and I know you did agree to talk to me. But can I ask you just off the uh, off the bat, why did it take so long?
11: Well, I suppose, first of all, can I just say thank you for having me the programme and can I begin by saying that I'm sorry to the people who are listening, to those who are walking on our front line, to the people who've died, the families of people who've died uh, and to people who've contacted COVID-19 by my attendance at the event in Clifton. Um, I left people down um and I compromised the work of all those people who've done so much and the collective sacrifice of the people by attending the event. Um, To answer your question, the reason I took my time to come on was, one, was to listen to a program like yours and to to listen to the anger and the frustration and the upset of people. Secondly, there's an element of of embarrassment and of of being mortified of what happened, Neil. Um, I'm cognizant of, of the responsibility placed on me uh, and conscious that I left people down, um, it, it was important for me to listen to, to the public angle, to listen to programs like yourself, to and also then you know it's time to reflect and time to to to, 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 to absorb what happened, and that's why I, I, this morning came on your program, and I am profoundly sorry, Nathan. and I know people will say that you know I'm coming on 15 days later, but I am really sorry, and you know my words are absolutely sincere. Okay. Um can you can you just talk us through the day? Well, well in my case, Neil, I was on holidays up the West of Ireland. Um I, I wasn't a member of, of the society. I threw the golf clubs in the in, in, in the car, went to the event, um and and it, it was a huge error of judgment. Um I shouldn't have gone. Um it was a. I I don't know whether it was a, a combination of a false sense of security, complacency, um, but it was an error of judgment, and I made a huge mistake, and and I'm I really sorry. I didn't live up to the expectations um, and the demands placed on me as a, as, a, as a member of the office, and I and that's why I'm the Friday you, morning. But but did you um, just happen to ha-
1: did you just happen to have the clubs, or were you did you have a a tea time booked and everything way in advance as part of the society outing? No,
11: no, no, no. I made a decision to play, um, arrived at the golf club around two o'clock and and played. Um, As I said, it was on holidays up the west. Um, It it wasn't, there was no maliciousness, there was no intent to cause any hurt or harm.
1: No, I know, but did anybody not say to you in advance, I'm not so sure this is a great idea?
11: Well in my case Neil um, I did ask um, on on the Tuesday night uh, the organisers and the hotel owner regarding the event um, and I was assured that it was COVID compliant Um, and and in my case Neil I made a decision to go it's my responsibility I'm not justifying going there I was too ready to accept the assurances uh, that it would be COVID compliant Um, 30 seconds was too long to be there. I shouldn't have gone. I'm, I'm genuinely sorry, Neil, uh, for being there. Oh, I
1: know. I mean, you, I mean, you have apologized. Uh, I understand uh, that, and and it's a
11: contrite uh, apology. If I can just say Neil, I mean, I, I, I suppose it, you know, it, it was an act of complacency, a lack of concentration. I didn't, you know, definitively go through the regulations, if you like, and and. and I I regret that now, and in and, and any shape or form justifying being at the event, uh, I accept my responsibility in going. Uh,
1: had you not been aware that the guidelines had changed?
11: I, I had, Neil, and, and, and that's where I have a huge amount of regret. I, I But, you know, I, I suppose I spoke to the, the organisers and the hotel owner um and and I, I, if I'm honest, I was probably too um, ready to accept the assurances that it was within the guidelines. Um, I accepted too readily the assurances. I, I should have made further inquiries myself. Um, I didn't. It, it's my responsibility. But did it become um, a
1: topic of conversation with any of the 81 people there in the sense like, Jesus, is, should we be here at all? I mean, there was too many people in the room, but also there was too many people around the tables in the too many people in the room. Did nobody turn to one yeah. another and say... This
11: is this can't be right. I, I, I should have left now. Um, I did have that thought in my head and, and I did should have acted in I, I very much regret that and it and you know, I I'm genuinely sorry for that. It was a profound error of judgment um, and, and as I said, in my case, it was a combination of complacency, uh, of, a, of a false sense of security, uh, and too ready to accept the assurances, but it was my responsibility. And I shouldn't have been there, and, and that's the bottom line.
1: Okay. Ender Kenny left. He played the golf and he left. Um, I think Dick Spring played the golf and he left, didn't he? So some people did have worries about it, and I believe, is it true, that Andy Kenny actually told other golfers not to go? He didn't say it to you, no? No. Nobody, nobody in any conversation across the day or in the lobby area or inside said, we should leave?
11: No. Uh, look, I, I know now I should have left and, 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 and I shouldn't.
1: No, just because people are just wondering, did you guys feel that The same rules didn't apply. You know, can you see now why people believe politicians are hypocrites? It's do as I say, not as I do.
11: Do I can understand the annoyance and the anger and the frustration of people. I'm angry myself at myself. I don't have any aspirations to privilege or to be indifferent to anybody else. I left people down, uh, you know, and and I'm really sorry for that. And I should have acted on a better judgment myself. (laughs) I'm sorry I didn't, and I wish that I had. So you didn't listen. You
1: didn't listen to your gosh. Then you knew it was wrong, but didn't do anything about it. Even though in the moment
11: you knew it was wrong. Uh, uh, Neil, my responsibility. I, I, as I said to you, I should have acted. I didn't, and I regret that very much. And what assurances and were?
1: What assurances were given? Um, are, like, were you aware of the guideline change?
11: I, personally, I wasn't aware of the intricacies of them, but I, I was aware that they had changed. And look, I'm not justifying it, Neil. I'm not here to, 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 in any way, you know, if you like, denigrate what happened. It was wrong. Uh, in my case, uh, you know, I was too ready to accept the assurances that it, it was cover compliance in terms of the room, in terms of the, the, the setup. And, and I, I quite clearly it wasn't. And I very much regret that, Neil. And, 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 you know, In my case, as a person who's been 13 years a public representative in your office, I I should have used better judgment. I should have concentrated more in terms of the regulations and I didn't and I regret that. Okay, and we we do
1: know, of course, that uh, uh, Phil Hogan was dragged screaming and roaring for about 10 days before he eventually, um, you know, resigned his portfolios as the Trade Commissioner. uh, There's a question mark as to the future of the judge Seamus Wolfe um, and we know of other people who have resigned uh, the whip and have the whip taken away from them and you stepped down as last Kai of of the Shannon was that um, did you get a phone call from say for instance Leo Varadkar or something like that? did somebody call you when all this broke?
11: No And on and, 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 and the Thursday evening I, I had spoken to Leo Varadkar, but on Thursday night I had made a decision that I was going to resign I resigned But what was the conversation the
1: can you talk to us about the conversation with? Well, did he call you? was just
11: no, we had a conversation where I called him. Um, it, it, the conversation, Neil, was 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 very centred on like what you're saying to me here this morning. In my case, I made a decision. On Thursday night, uh, going to bed, and I woke up Friday morning. And, and before I'd spoken to Leo Varadkar, before he had spoken to the and to Eamon Ryan, I had resigned uh, as, as last caretaker of the, of, of the Shannon. Um, and, and I had done that voluntarily, recognizing the seriousness and the gravity. But of, what did
1: Varadkar say to you? Did he say, What were you doing? What were you thinking? I mean, it was 15 to a room at that stage, wasn't it? And then it went indoor gatherings were down to six people. From more than three households, like you know, and uh, like Neil, I, I'm not in any way. There's 81 that's of fine. them. Like you see, that's well, what I people actually, can't understand.
11: And, and, and Neil, uh, uh, you know, we can get into the the old protocols, the new protocols. Quite clearly, the new protocols were breached, um, and, and and I regret that, and, and, and what, what, I am profoundly sorry. I know, and, and you've said that a number of
1: times, and and, and and that's the mark of you. I appreciate that. But did Varadkar encourage you? Um, to resign the seat, resign the. So,
11: oh, there, was no, there had been no conversation of that on, on Thursday night. Um, I made the decision myself voluntarily on Friday morning. early, uh, I made a decision to resign um, as the last of the shanet, and um, I did so myself, uh, cognizant of of my mistake. I'm, I'm, a, you know, a firm believer Neil, in in the Latin motto please oblige." When you're in leadership and responsible positions, you act uh, accordingly. I didn't live up to the expectations of people. Um, I know many people who have you know made huge sacrifices uh, and from listening to, you know, to your programme this morning the gentleman watching the match last night you know I'm conscious that people have made a collective sacrifice I, I there was a breach of trust by me uh, and I made the decision on, on Thursday night and uh, announced it on Friday morning to so, design, so it wasn't uh, that uh, clear of because like, yeah. I know
1: I know that Micheál Martin got on to Darrell Kalleri and there was murder over that I think Kaleri was told either quit or be sacked kind of thing, you know?
11: No, I wasn't. That conversation hadn't taken place. I made the decision myself, Neil. Uh, It it was in recognition of my failing and my shortcoming uh, on this occasion. And and I very much regret, Neil, letting people down. What Um, what
1: impact, like, what's the reaction of the public been? Have you been out in public or, or have you been hunkering down?
11: Well, in my case, um, I self-isolated and I've had texts and and phone calls from people and emails and letters. Um, Some people are are rightly, you know, very, very angry and I I have read those emails and those letters, Neil, and and, and, and replied to many of the texts. I haven't replied to all of them yet. Um, This is a a learning experience, Neil. Um, uh, You know, it, it is about ensuring that you know, in my case this morning, that that I come on your programme and and I ask for forgiveness for the people for my mistake, for my wrongdoing. Um, It's a learning process for me in terms of, you know, to be careful, to concentrate more, um, and, and, and I understand. Uh, and
1: everyone is and, entitled and to forgiveness. Listen, well. for, listen. Um, I, I would define. I would defend you to the end on forgiveness. But I suppose, you know, we we would regard people in politics, certainly in the Doll or the Shannon, who talk about this day in, day out, day in, day out. We followed the guidelines. You know, those guidelines changed to an indoor event to fifteen people. There were eighty-one. It's just people have difficulty trying to comprehend such uh, a monumental
11: um, cock-up. You know? And, and Neil, it, it was a monumental error. Um, what it does show is, and what it does illustrate is that all of us, there's no demarcation. And I've never in my life sought to be different to anybody. I've never talked about, you know, i never acted as somebody of privilege or, or whatever because I don't but I'm an ordinary person, uh, I'm a very pro-court person, uh, I, I'm asking for forgiveness this morning in your programme but what it does show, Neil, is that all of us must continue to not become complacent to, to not let our guard down uh, regarding this pandemic and, and unfortunately uh, I made an error of judgement, I made a mistake I, I'm profoundly sorry for that uh, and I wish I could have stopped the clock, Neil, and started back you know, 15 days again uh, because it's been, you know, it's, it's been a, a huge learning for me. I, I'm not justifying in any shape or form my actions. Uh, okay. Now, could okay. I or no, would I? Um, and, and, you know, I haven't been hiding from people uh, in terms of your programme. I've come on this morning. Uh, I'm deeply sorry for what happened. Okay. Um, and, and I'm asking the people of Cork, you know, to give me an opportunity to make amends.
1: OK. And what would those amends be politically? Have you, da- have you damaged your career? I mean, I was only thinking about this last night and it was ahead of... I don't know whether Simon Coveney is still in the race um, for uh, Europe or whether it'll be Maureen McGuinness, I don't know. But if he were, it would have meant a by-election for a Fine Gael seat in South Central. Would that would a thing like this ruin your chances to take a, a seat at a by-election?
11: Neil, to be honest, it's the, it's the furthest thing from my mind. What I want to do now is to take time to reflect uh, which I've done, uh, to to re- and to restart my work as a member of the Iraqis, to work hard for people, to rebuild that relationship, that trust that I had with people. Um, and, and I've always been a very active politician on the ground, uh, and I will continue to work, to, to rebuild that trust with people. So that's where my focus is. Really. I'm not in any way looking at a by-election or, or, or a European commissioner if Simon Covey is the
12: New but would he, so has it, you, would you think it, it has
1: condition? affected you politically though? That you know that your vote would have been diminished in South
11: Central because Neil, of it? Neil, uh, that's not for me this morning. This morning for me is to come on your programme to tell the people, to speak to people that I'm sorry. I, I recognise that my actions um, have fallen short of what is expected of me to say sorry uh, and to rebuild my relationship with people and, and that's what I have to do now. I know, and I, know.
1: I appreciate that. But like, I'm no, and I don't mean to badger you with with my line of questioning, and it, I don't mean it to be that way. But I'm just trying to get just trying to get some just some clarity on on issues. Like, you had golf clubs in the car, but you're not a member of the golfing society. Is that what you're saying to me?
11: Yeah, I wasn't. Just Neil, you so you
1: didn't have an? Horse. Did you know that there was an Arachdis Golf Society?
11: I think everybody knew there was a lot of golf society, Neil. Um,
1: but if everybody knew, oh why didn't somebody, like whether it was Micheál Martin or Leo Varadkar or a senior politician or Coveney say, don't go playing golf, guys, and don't have dinner afterwards? It was the middle of Storm Mellon, and it was limited to 15 people. Why weren't they talking about it in the doll in advance of the day?
11: I, I can answer that, Neil. All I can answer for is myself. I made an error of judgment. Um, but
1: I, no, it's just I got the impression at the beginning that you were saying, I happened to have the clubs in the booth. It wasn't that, though. Sure, it wasn't. You were going up there because you must have had an invite.
11: Well, the event was flagged to all members of Europtus. um I So, yes, I, I went of uh, my own volition. I was in holidays up to the west and I made a decision to go play the golf um, and 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 then to attend the dinner, uh, and you know I, I very much regret that meal.
1: Who paid? Who paid for the the round of golf, and who paid for the dinner?
11: Myself. Everybody paid their own way. Was it? As far as I know, I paid for myself. I can only answer for myself.
1: You paid for the round of golf, and then paid for dinner, and and yeah. that was there was alcohol obviously there, and that was all. You pay, everybody paid their own way. Yeah. It wasn't sponsored or subsidised by anybody. You were there, not aware of no, and and also you were sitting there with um, you know people from the business community, bank lobbyists. There was a judge there with all of these people as well. There was you know people there who were um, uh, property developers. Did that not concern you? The politicians shouldn't be. It's like the Galway tent of old.
11: I wasn't aware of the developers or of the other people. Other than, I, I knew the judge was there, but I wasn't aware of the other people there, I, so I can't answer for that. Okay. Do you think
1: that resigning as Lass Kahirlik of the Shannon was enough? Um, that, did it ever cross your mind you might resign as a senator?
11: No worries, I took the decision to resign as the last Caharic, which is a position of, 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 which is a very high position the standard. It's a significant position. I've also lost the Fine Gael party whip. Both sanctions are significant. I've been a member of the Optus for 13 years. I've been 16 years a public rep. Um, I've worked very hard uh in that time and I will continue to do so as I said to you.
1: But you never contemplated just now. saying I'm out of politics, that's it, I resign my seat.
11: No, because I, I believe in public service Neil. I, I took the decision to resign as the last kahiruk. Um and now as I said to you my, my task is to, Yeah, but that's to kinda uh,
1: that's to not me. much of a that's not much of a sacrifice really. It's a title as such, isn't it? Well, it's a position
11: of 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 of, of significance in the Eoptis, Um I took the decision to resign, Neil, um, and and I made that decision, and and that's where I'm at this morning.
1: Des Cal, a fellow party member, councillor on Leaside, told me back in the day that you should quit. You should have quit politics and resigned your seat. And he's in Fine Gael.
11: Yeah, I made the decision, Neil, to resign on the Friday morning early. Um, as I said to you, I recognised that the hurt and the pain and the anger and I've left people down uh, and now my task is to rebuild that relationship to work hard to show people that I am the politician has been elected for 16 years to the office of Cork City okay.
1: Council, and uh, you are contrite in, in asking yes. for apology and forgiveness on, on a number of occasions. I appreciate that. Did
11: would you know? We
1: also heard some weeks back that you guys were claiming hefty expenses to go to the Shannon when the Shannon was shut. Would you have been paid expenses to travel in your car to that golf? Would you be, was that claimed as part of uh, of your remit as a senator? No. Why did you guys claim expenses when the sh- when the Shannon was shut?
11: Well, that, that, that situation Neil is, is not as you have presented in terms of the Shannon that's years. a fair
1: question though you did claim all of you claimed expenses for a period when there was no one at Dol Aaron and one in Shannon Aran
11: no what, what we do Neil is we must, uh, must fulfil a certain number of days in the year and, and if you don't meet those criteria that money is returned automatically and, and <laughs> no Ivana
1: Bacic entered zero for expenses for that period so you guys must have filled in something
11: No, Neil, you get paid it automatically, and at the end of the calendar year, if you haven't reached a certain number of days, then that money is returned automatically to the office.
1: So you're saying that would be reimbursed, is it?
11: If I don't make the number of days, that would
1: be reimbursed, yes. Okay, so the expenses that were claimed for the period when the Shannon was closed will be given back?
11: If if you don't make the number of days, Neil, on the calendar year that you're allocated, then you re- that money is reimbursed automatically. That money is paid out automatically, and at the end of the year, there's a reconciliation with the number of days you must do. And if you haven't that done, then that money is allocated. That money is returned automatically.
13: Okay. Okay.
1: All right. So it's um, apology, forgiveness, rebuilding.
11: Is it? I mean, look. I, I really wish I wasn't there. I, I, I am very sorry for that, and no words of mine can adequately express. the the disappointment I have in myself at letting people down um, and in, in the hurt and the anger that has caused so many people and I really am sorry for that.
1: Okay, we leave it at that for now. I appreciate you taking the call eventually. Much obliged to you. Have a good day, Senator Jerry Buttermer. Your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. If indeed you'd like to contribute on air, uh, pick up the phone, 1-850-104-106. Forgiveness. Apology and forgiveness. Back after the break.
0: Text the Neil Brenderville Show now. 86 Red FM. And
1: there's quite an amount of text coming in. Text 86 And I will read them out and broadcast them on air. And uh, joke of an interview. Joke of an interview, Neil. You're a disgrace for letting him off so lightly. Uh, he wasn't... You weren't that way against Mary Lou last week when you grilled her over the funeral she attended. <laughs> I mean, like... I mean, luck you're entitled to your opinion. You know, I thought... Uh, that's the best I can do the questions I had to ask and I asked them and, you know, I mean, we've got an awful lot of apologies and sorries and, and forgiveness. And uh, um. Anyway, give him a comment, text 0868104106. I'm absolutely seething listening to Jerry Butthimer's comments on your show. He says it's a learning experience and a learning process. He's in politics long enough to know better was clever enough to resign as last Hirlock to take the heat off himself he should have resigned his seat as a senator um what a load of rubbish sorry it doesn't it doesn't uh, it doesn't fix it on this occasion sorry he's out to protect himself and his career and his pension no point in having him on i don't believe him and anyone who votes for him in the future should be ashamed uh jesus neil move on he said sorry move on see how i can't win um paid their own way He says, but claim back expenses. Does he think we're stupid? Ask him to give up his seat. Did all of that. Uh, Asked him the question as to whether or not the golf trip, which was right in the middle of storm, a storm as well, when people were told not to travel in the first place. Uh, He said that there wouldn't be any expenses paid for that. Uh, Morning, it took him 15 days to come on and apologize. He should be man up now and resign as a senator. Well, asked him that. That's not going to happen. Another one here. How many times does Neil expect him to say sorry? Uh, the contradiction between his interview with you now and his interview with you last time is absolutely crazy and, in my opinion, shows the real man. Say sorry if you're caught, but act differently. not 100% sure what you mean by that. The last time I was spoken to Jerry Buttermore would have been under totally different circumstances and nothing to do with Golfgate or, or Clifton. Has he been financially hit? Yes, there is. Um, there is money, uh, uh, extra money as, um, you know, last look of the channel. I think you're talking about 15 grand, I think. Uh, Just a word on Jerry Bottomer. Show us now how hard you work and what a decent guy you are. Everybody makes blunders and move on and hopefully rebuild confidence from a hard lesson learned. I, for one, wish you well. Uh, And to some extent, I get that. I understand that forgiveness is important and, uh, you know, if somebody is genuinely sorry and asking for forgiveness, but I suppose to some extent... It's hard to rationalize, you know, in the times we were in, 24 hours after, um, you know, indoor events got knocked down to, you know, 15 people and stuff like that, that nobody, and he did admit that his gut was telling him was, it was wrong, that nobody decided, I, I got to get out of here. I can't be part of this. And I'm none the wiser on that one. Uh, listen, if you want to get on the air, that's fine too. Donald, good morning. Hi Neil, how are you? In fairness, like, people are saying, how many times does a man have to say sorry and ask for forgiveness?
2: Yeah, I know, I understand what people are saying, but like listening to the tripe that was coming over east, walked out, he's woke up this morning. And what
1: part of it was, door, was tripe?
2: Right. What, like what? Like, listen, I I honestly believe if it was a lie detector this morning, the man would have failed like, On what, on what so, question? Just on the golf, there, like, you know, like, I play golf, I like, with a society, I threw the clubs into the car going up the west coast, right, and I rocked up at this golf over. he'd have been told about this he'd have gotten involved he did uh,
1: he did say that he he said he's not a member of the society he
2: he he, he knew he knew about the golf game and decided he, to play he wasn't admitting that door until you dragged it out of him. He was denying it up to the very last and then he very reluctantly came out with that all right, you know. And you know he he was he was holding back on that. He knew about this, and he was trying to deny it. And uh, look, with a society, and you just don't rock up on the day. She says, "I rocked up on the day." With well, a society, a society would have a course booked, and a society that size, the course would have been closed for the day. So he just wouldn't have been able to turn up on the day for the game of God. No, he
1: knew about it in advance. We did manage to ascertain that yeah. in the end. And he would have had a designated tea time and he would have been yeah. there and expected and, to be there.
2: And that's why it was ringing. Like, he was denying it up to the point until you got into it. It did sound
1: to me in the early parts of the conversation yeah. that the clubs were in the boot anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. 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 So, and he was, trying, you know, like he was denying it right up until you got into it you know what I mean so but look,
1: what you're saying so is this was a um, a, 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 a conscious decision made earlier
2: yes yeah. exactly okay you know and he was caught by the kahunas like the oliver and now they're paying for it you know and a lot more should be paying for it like I mean say look at the country the country's coming coming to its knees and they're, and they're walking around as if nothing's happened.
1: Do you, but but would that, would that, is anybody willing to accept that this was, as in his my words, paraphrasing him, a monumental error of judgment? Um, it was
3: uh, nothing knew what he was doing.
1: Eileen, go on. Yeah, go on. And a monumental error of judgment that he asks and wishes and begs forgiveness for.
2: No, listen,
14: he knew what listen, he was doing. He's like the rest
2: of them. He should. He should have known what he was doing. When he was rock, as he said himself, rocking up that day. No, he knew I, I he said rocking up. A, he knew he was going for a game of golf and he didn't think there'd be nothing of it. Listen, I'm going for a game of golf. I'm going to meet up with all my mates, have a dinner and have a great day. End of story. He didn't think this was going to backfire at all. All right. You know what I mean? Okay. They got us.
1: Thanks, Donald. Anyway, Eileen, go ahead.
14: Yeah. The whole lot of them were up there. They knew what they were doing. They knew where they were going. I mean, you don't sit in your car and say, where am I going now? He knew he was going golfing like the rest of them. And they thought, you know, they thought the shit would never hit the fan. But you know what? There's no medicine now for regrets. He can't do nothing about it.
1: Okay, but did you not, did you not, did you not feel his, um, his contrition in that conversation?
14: Oh, yeah. Well I did, I did, you know, but I mean as I said, it's done, it's done. There's nothing there's no medicine for regrets now, so there's nothing he can do about it. Like as I said, like the other regis, that Phil Hogan, Shahid, they had to beat bait it truth short of him. There was there was law for him. The HSC had a law for him and a law a law for us. He still couldn't admit the truth but the truth the I know we're back
1: cancer. talking I know we're back talking about it again, and I'm like a scratched record of eighty one people inside in the room when only fifteen can be there, six at a, yeah. six around the table when they had ten at around the table all of these people from different like you know property developers and lobbyists for banks and judges and everything mm. like, like did everybody just have a monumental brain freeze all at the same time?
14: they must have had. I mean, none of them thought it'd come out. Or did they think? Do they think that they're above the rest of us? Or what? Like, yeah, of course, of course, yeah. They are. They, they were in at all high-profile jobs. No one can catch us out. But sure, like as I said, the truth does come out, and it does, There's always someone leaks it. There's always a corner that is leaking. No medals yeah, for regret. Okay.
1: okay. No Thanks, Aline. Thank you no for that. Medicine. All right. Oh, no medicine for regret. Sorry, uh, Tom. Good morning. Morning, Nate. Okay, you heard that, that yeah, conversation um, then. What do you make of it?
15: Oh, I, 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 I'm, I'm disgusted with it and with him, to be quite honest with you. Like, kind of, um, could I lay a little bit of groundwork first, like, before I, before I say what I think of him? Like, I had to give up the pleasure of meeting and seeing my grandchildren for months, right? Mm-hmm. Because that was my judgment, my good judgment, because it wasn't safe for them. Yeah, I now at that, them. at that
1: time now, you couldn't go further than the two kilometres for a walk.
15: No. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, my hobby is fishing. I had to give that up, right? Because there's no place within two kilometres that I could go fishing. I had to give that up. That's okay. Now this geezer is on here. For a start off, he said... He was elected at a shanna. He wasn't elected at a shannot, nobody is. He was shoehorned in there because it's a failed politician, He failed to get a mandate off to keep general election.
1: Well that's where a lot of senators yeah. go, we know that, yeah. Yeah, that's
15: that's that's how we I mean, a lot of politicians go, yeah. Yeah. He's not an elected member okay. at all. Okay. But no. it's
1: there and people had a chance to get rid of it yeah. and they didn't. So
15: live with it. Well I not. I understand that, yeah, but I don't want people I don't want people ma- they uh, putting it out there that they were elected to it. They weren't elected to it, because they're not in the election for the Senate. Now, another thing is that he kept using the, the term judgment, poor judgment, error none of judgment. None of nothing of what he done was an error of judgment. Everything he done was a conscious decision. He went there because, I think, it was flagged. He wouldn't admit that he was in voice, it was flagged. He had his golf clubs in the boat. He made a conscious decision to go there. Okay, go there. I'm carried around the guy. He made a conscious decision decision to go into the dinner. He made a conscious decision when he saw that it was well over the COVID restrictions to stay there. He made a conscious decision. But what do you do? What do you do if, if
1: the golf organizer and the hotel both tell you, "Yeah, this is COVID compliant. Oh, no, we have no, the room." No, no. We have the room. We have the room split. The Irish Hotel Federation haven't given us instructions yet about the reduced capacity in a room. Would you
16: still
15: say? I'm not leaving any. No, no. If I'm not, I'm trying to do my job. My job is to some extent. He said himself. He said himself. He was well aware of the new restrictions. He said that now to you. This morning, he was aware of the new restrictions. He's in the it He's supposed to be aware of these things. So if you say that, you're leaving him off the He knew. You just said, you said a while ago that Ender Kenny left because he thought it wasn't safe.
1: He did. That's a fact. That's on the record.
15: Why did he stay? Did he think it was safer safer for him than it was for Ender Kenny? He said he wasn't aware
1: that Ender Kenny had left. He wasn't aware that Ender Kenny had also told other people to leave. And they didn't. Well, he didn't tell them to leave. He said, don't go to the dinner. They won't forgive you yeah. for it. Yeah. So well, what are we to maybe. what are we to believe? Now? Are we to accept? Are we to accept that he's contrite, that he made no. a monumental error of judgment, and he's asking for forgiveness, or are we to accept yeah. that they thought they were above us and they'd get away with it?
15: Which of course, of course, oh, listen. We had a similar we had a, song, we had a, song, we had a song, inauguration. Well, we're, we're, we're an MEP. Flew into Dublin for the, uh, the inauguration and travelled down to Cork to see his family down in Cork, which was in total contradiction to the the, to the COVID restrictions at the time. What was done about that? What, what penalties offered that man? None.
1: You're referring, of course, to um, Billy Kelleher's jaunt around yes, the country. Exactly, yes. yeah. 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 That was peculiar, actually. He dodged a bullet on
15: that one, all right? He did, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Now, if I if I had no, I'll just give an example. My son-in-law lives 24, 24 or twenty five miles from his business, and every single morning during the COVID restrictions that he travelled into work, he was stopped on the road. And asked where he was going to make it, give an explanation for where he was going. Yeah, I know that, but when
1: I know that, and I'm not defending anybody here, don't get me wrong, but I am probing. That's my job, right? At the time of this well, yeah. golf game, you could travel anywhere in Ireland and you could play golf. Golf wasn't a problem, travelling no. wasn't a problem. No.
15: No, was, no more than fishing is a problem for me, no, but going into a place that's crowded would be a problem. Correct. For me.
1: And that's what that's the issue we have here. But yeah. I, I'm asking. I
15: was, fish, I was fishing yesterday, but there's no way that I'm going to go into a restaurant or into a pub today where there's 18 or 19 or 20 people. I'm just not going to do it because that's my conscious decision. That's my judgment.
1: And their judgment was a conscious decision to go to the dinner in spite of the consequences. And I, you,
15: uh, more importantly, not alone to go to dinner, but to stay.
1: And what Put and what penalty is, should be paid for that? Do you think?
15: Well, he, he should resign this seat and this and if he wants to rebuild it, resign this, season. no, he
1: he said he won't do that, but he is no, asking people no, 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 to give no, an opportunity
15: to rebuild their trust. He could be forced. He could be forced to show if there was enough pressure, for the on his political mentally, America, he could be made made to resign.
2: But if he had
15: if he if he, if he was contrite, why doesn't he resign and then stand in front of the people and in the upcoming by election because Copley will get the job of course. And in the upcoming by election. Stand in front of the people.
1: Would you I, I'm not a betting man, I don't know whether it break, breaks broadcasting regulation, but I put a fiver on it that he won't.
15: Well, you could be right and you know, I could be wrong. Fiverr? I, I'm not a bit man at all. I oh. don't. I don't bet
1: at all. I don't either. But I I, I, I just thought that was an easy one for me to win because Coveney won't go to Europe.
15: Well, we'll see. Right. I, uh, okay. Only
1: time. Only time. will tell that. I'll, I'll talk to. You, I'll, I'll talk, talk to you again then on that decision, Tom. All right.
4: Yeah.
1: Cheers, Anne. Good morning.
4: Good morning, uh, d-
1: To Dan and Mary, I'll talk to you after eleven. Go ahead, Anne.
4: No, I'm just all about uh, Jerry Bottomer. I'd more or less have to say what the rest of these speakers have said, but. I can't understand. It was convenient. He was on his way to the west of Ireland and he had a golf club in the boat and then he denied that. Like, And then you pulled him up and he admitted it. I mean, they're laughing at us, Steve. They knew where they were going. They knew what they were going to do after the golf game. And they put two fingers up to the rest of the country and said, Sadie. I mean, I'm 77, Nina. i living on my own my husband died a year and a half ago oh. and, and nobody my You're family know. are all the way I have two sons living one bishop found the other may and me alright and I couldn't see them I see my grandchildren they had to stop shopping at my door so I know I am just looking at them through the window I know which I know. was heartbreaking I know and nobody to talked to I
0: know
4: you know and they—they they are floating everything and anything. And I, you know, it's disgusting me to think that they're getting big salaries and they can hold on to them, and we are living on pittance trying to so scrape through.
1: And you'd they, have them all you'd have, you'd have anybody at that dinner then, um, Jerry Bottomer. Everybody in private business, everybody in the doll, everybody in the yeah. shanty, all of the sen- all of the mm. constables—you'd have them all sacked, would you?
4: They shouldn't be. Needed. The salary should be taken from them. If an ordinary worker done wrong in their job, they'd be kicked out the door. Okay, okay. They're there to protect us, they're not.
1: And how you? How are you managing, Anna? Everything okay?
4: I'm up and down, Neil. Up and down. Very lonely. Very lonely. And I hate these dark nights coming You know, out. I know. I didn't mind it last year because I don't think going on in my head just after him dying. But um, I don't like it this year. <laughs> right, coming right. up now.
1: You have family and friends to support you, I hope?
4: Yeah, but you know what? People are afraid to go near one another, aren't they?
1: Well, the, with the latest advice to people of your age, of course, to almost go into semi-cocooning again, you know?
4: I know. It's terrible. I know. I know. It's and fortunate. you don't need... Come back to the very butter and company. They're not telling the truth. They're letting on, they're sorry. They're not sorry, me. They knew what they were doing, and sorry is not good enough.
1: So for you, this is unforgivable, then.
4: It is, me. Okay. Okay. All right. And they okay. should be kicked out, and the salary should be taken from.
1: All right. Thanks, Anne. Mind yourself. Please Do call. Do
4: call, call it before so you go. Yeah. Would, be, would you be able to get me tickets for the Airtastic for my little granddaughter? She went back to school on Tuesday. Air, Airtastic? And, yeah, love. I can't get through to Philip. Did Has I Philip Burke about? got
1: tickets for Airtastic? Yeah. If they're there, i will get them for you. Can I put you back oh, on hold? I'll do my very best. I, I can't it's guarantee good. 100%, but I'll certainly yeah. have a word with them there and see if we can sort you out, on, all right? Thanks, love. Stay on hold. Talk after uh, 11, guys, on one
0: Get it off your chest. Neil Prenderville now, 1850-104-106, Red FM. Lines
1: open at 1850 104 I'll come back to the emails, uh, sorry, the texts and the, uh, and the calls in a minute. There's, there's, a, there's a very special birthday today to a guy, really, who should have a statue put up on him, of himself on the South Mall. It's such an incredible achievement uh, in the 40 years of life. A big shout out this morning to Double L, Alan Weldon. He's called Double L because there's two L's in Alan. Uh, He's a Collingwood Cup record holder and apparently the cornerstone of Blarney United and the AIB Business Banking Group. I mean, how he gets so much done In a 24-hour period or in the 40 years of his life is beyond me. But today he celebrates his 40th birthday. And all of his friends and admirers uh, want to wish him and pay tribute to his greatness today. So happy birthday, double L, Alan Weldon. 40th birthday. I suppose the 40th now will be under different circumstances. Don't go doing a Clifton on it now. Huh? Don't be doing a golf gate on it. The fortieth can wait. But a happy birthday to you from all your friends and work colleagues. Lines are open at one eight fifty one oh four one oh six for all of the business. A lot of texts on this actually. Can I just see some of the texts there and uh We'll go back to phone calls then. Thank you. Uh, that dinner would have been jacket and tie. Did they all use the dressing rooms together? Mary Lou said she didn't know there was society. Society, who's telling the truth? I think he's just sorry he got caught. There's news this morning, actually, now that they are um, about to wind up and disband the Eroctus Golfing Society. Uh, it's ironic, uh, Jerry Butterworth coming on air apologising after 15 days when there's the possibility of a by-election in his constituency. I put that to him. He says that uh, you know, running in a by-election or, or you know, in any way, shape, or form, is far from his on his mind now. He's just looking for uh, forgiveness. Uh, you should be looking after your own. There were another eighty-one at the meeting. I'm disgusted with you. So I'm getting grief for bringing Jerry Bottomer on the air when there are other eighty other people that I'm not going. To, I'm not going after anybody. I'm just asking the questions that people would like to ask. Gave Jerry Bottomer an opportunity to come on air. Uh, And he eventually took up the offer. Um, Forgive him at this stage. Jerry was on holidays and had his golf clubs with him. Give him some credit. I've heard of hotels where 100 people were accommodated in two groups of 50 in two separate rooms. It's been going on wholesale. Forgive the man. Move on. Uh, Jerry Bodomer has pushed the self-destruct button. He's pulled the grenade, thrown it in the room and run off. Interesting. Hi Neil, your last caller complaining about Billy Kelleher's trip... But what about Michelle O'Neill, who came to the convention center the very same day? Should we not have had the same rules for all parties? Or are you saying that Sinn Féin get a free ride? Um, Thank you. Uh, Other people are very happy with uh, the questioning. So I was very kind of mortified to read out those kind of texts. But thank you for them all the same. Would you believe I was actually feeling sorry for Gerry at the beginning of this interview? But that wasn't long changing as the interview went on. Thank you for that. So he just happened to have his golf clubs in the car, is it? When he just happened to be on holidays in the west of Ireland? But surely he had received an invitation to this event and knew exactly where and when it was. Uh, And he travelled up there specially for it. When you tell the truth, you don't have to keep backtracking... On the untruths, Jerry. OK, I think we managed to clarify eventually, you know, about the clubs being in the back of the car. Uh, they didn't happen to be in the back of the car, as he said in the earlier part of the interview. They were in the car because he was always going to the golf outing. He knew about it. So I managed to, to clarify that, if nothing else. John, good morning.
13: Hello, Neil. Um, I'm just ringing there just uh, after listening to that uh, yoke of um, of a uh, senator. Uh, sorry, um, Just on my own... Uh, personal experience you know I just uh, I, suffer, I, I had to lockdown for five months um, i saw you know Neil and it's just a bit upset
1: you're uh, alright pal you had to you had to go into lockdown because you have uh, you're, a, you, you're very very bad asthma is it?
13: yes Neil um, and just listen to that crap when all them senators and all and TDs and all are like going to a place like that you just, and after listening to that I just really I just had to come on here um, just to listen to them jobs uh, in the doll and all, uh, every one of them should lose their pensions. If that was me going into my job, I'd love to get back to work, but I can't um, due to coronavirus. Still, um, the numbers are coming back up in Cork, um, I just I I'd rather see them lose their pensions and everything. Uh, they knew what they were doing; they're not stupid um and i just feel just obsessed i have to listen to that oh it's, it's great for them to go up to into a big hotel and everything and and they don't give two shits it's it's only sorry no name. It's, all right. um, it's all right it's all right. it's just i just feel a bit obsessed. um just have to listen to that to him the way he was able to speak and all
1: it says here that even if you went to the beach you would stay in the car is that right
13: yeah. Um. But as I said, look, I've been told from my doctor just to stay away from people if I can. Um. It was for five months. I couldn't even see my sister, um, or the kids. Um.
1: And how are you? How you know, you're like. Do you mind me saying your age? Is that okay?
13: Yeah, I'm twenty eight.
1: Twenty eight years old. Yeah. So you you don't see any of your buddies or your mates or your work colleagues or your family or oh, your
13: friends. I can't, okay. can't do to this. Um, and then for them to go off into a big hotel, and get, they don't even care about us. I'd love to get back to work and all, but I can't.
1: How are you coping mentally with all of this?
13: Uh, I was bad, jorna but I'm kind of getting out now a bit. I'm kind of doing a bit of running now. I'm back doing a bit of run- running and a bit of pitching but.
1: Ah, fair play to you. And, it, like, and the worry now that people have is the days are getting shorter and we're going to get... The darkness is coming, you know, and it's going to be very, very tough for people, you know? Not that we got a great summer or anything, you know what I mean? But at least there was more light there.
13: Yeah, we had a bit of light, so as I said. The only... We say during lockdown, I was looking... There's a farmer just... Uh, there's two fields behind us, and that's where I do my walking. During lockdown, I couldn't even go outside my front gate. I live in the, in the states.
1: Because with, with um, asthma, you are a high risk because of your lung issues.
13: Yeah, as I said, I had to get tests on seen a specialist in Cork um, every couple of months. But I can't at the moment due to the way the hospitals are and all. I know, I know. And I feel and that's what I feel sorry for is the doctors and all. They'll have to put up with the people not doing what they're supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
13: Okay. And like I said, I just wanted to come on here if that's okay,
1: Neil. Okay. Thank you so much, Sean. Look after yes, yourself. Appreciate it. All the best. Neil, Nor-
13: thanks very much. Thanks for taking Take
1: us. Take care. Nora, good morning.
17: Good morning, Neil. How are you?
1: Well, it says here yeah. you're a friend of Jerry Bottomers.
17: I am a friend of Jerry Bottomers, but that's not why I'm ringing. Do you know, I'm a bit fed up of he being condemned over he made a whopper of a mistake. There's no doubt about that. <coughs> Excuse me, but look, let him who is without stone are without Saint castoff stone. do you know mm,
1: forgive him I do let I do him off. I do, yeah. And no, and there, are other, there are others like you. I am getting texts about people, move on, forgive oh, him, he said yeah, sorry.
17: Yeah, and we're weary of it at this stage. And, you know, Jerry made a whopper of a mistake. I'm quite sure he deeply regrets it. And I doubt if he was back again, he certainly wouldn't But be why
1: didn't it. one of the 81 of them not I rely... Cannot I
17: cannot understand that, Neil. I cannot understand it. I mean... What if one really person,
1: like it. if they're... If, like, Jerry and others were around the lobby and there were other people in the hotel at the same time yes. and they were laughing and joking, I'm told.
17: I know. With yeah, their
1: buddies I in know. the maze. They had no man. Masks on in the lobby when they were out with other people. Did they not even realize that that was stupid? What if one of them had coronavirus and they brought it to the 26 counties of Ireland?
17: I don't know. I mean, it just goes to show, I suppose, the people running our country aren't up to much, are they?
1: Well, it shows us that they really aren't paying attention.
17: Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I do feel sorry as well for me, Hall Martin, because. Oh, dear God, he's he's trying to be the Taoiseach after a long time and the people he's in control of are... Well, he's not in control, but they're not showing a whole pile of respect for him, are they?
18: Because they're stupid.
17: They're stupid, yeah, they're stupid. But look... I do feel sorry for Jerry Buttermore and I do like him a lot and I do think he made a huge mistake and let's move on from it.
1: Okay, thank you for that, much obliged thank you Nora. Um, I downloaded the the stats yesterday from the CSO because they amended, I'll come back to the phone calls in a minute, Uh, they amended the uh, COVID-19 deaths and cases, this is the 10th time now that the CSO has put up statistics involving uh, coronavirus and it's important that you just listen to a couple of these numbers actually because I find them quite interesting Um, the number of people who have died Died from COVID nineteen is below ten for the last eight weeks. All right, that means that less than ten people have died in the last eight weeks. The number of confirmed, the number of weekly confirmed COVID nineteen cases, is more than um, six hundred cases in each of the last three weeks up to the end of August. Okay, so that's a bit of balance for you, six hundred cases. In the last eight weeks, 10 deaths. But what's very interesting is the median age of the new confirmed COVID-19 cases, Right, the median age of the new cases up to the week ending the 21st of August is 30 years old. There's a huge change now in age groups, isn't it? 30. That's what we're talking about now. This is the CSO. They're the numbers, people. Women um, are accounting for a higher number of cases than men. And those people aged between 25 and 44 continue to account for the highest number of cases. So you take 25 and 44-year-olds and you get the median of that, you come up with the age 30. Um, Healthcare workers continue to make up almost a third of cases. I'm just throwing these numbers out to you. The CSO has amended the number of people who have died from COVID-19 to 1,525 All right, 1,525. And 65% of the deaths to date are aged 80 years old or older. Okay, Dublin and Kildare are making up most of the cases. Uh, To the week ending the 21st of August, 15 people were in hospital from COVID-19. 15. And that's down from the peak of the amount of people in hospital for COVID-19 was on the 27th of March, when 666 people were in hospital. There's 15 now. Hospitals, residential institutions and nursing homes account for 57% of all of the cases that have been linked to the outbreak. Um, So, then with regards to deaths and underlying conditions, is very important, right? There have been 1,449 deaths of people with underlying conditions Right? 1,449 people who died had underlying conditions. The age of those dying with the underlying conditions was 83. That was the median age. So 1,449 of them had underlying conditions and they were aged on average 83 years of age. And the underlying condition that most of them had was chronic heart disease at the time of death. There you have it. I'm not going to make any comments on it. I'm just giving you the stats because I found them fascinating. Um, And it really, for me, puts things in perspective as to where we are now, where we were then, and maybe why Leo Varadkar is saying open the pubs and why... Um, say for instance Boris Johnson is saying get back to work, get back to work we'll give you free
0: train fares, get back to work back after the break Talk to Neil Printerville now 1851 Red FM Alright
1: be One eight fifty-one I'll take another few calls and then read on some texts and we'll mix it up I can always come back to it if there's, uh, if there's interest in it uh, Line 5 isn't there guys, but it doesn't surprise me phones are, phones are cat today Dan, good morning Hello, come on How about you? I'm good, my man. What do you, you make of that conversation with uh, Senator Buttmann?
19: Ah, look, sorry, don't watch with me, my friend.
1: Why Find not? It's why it's not. not? If somebody oh, says no, sorry I, and they're genuinely contrite, why would we have a problem in forgiveness?
19: Not to talk. Sorry, I said i all. Sorry that they got caught and exposed. Well, that's I, I, and you know what was like? A, they were like they were all like a dinner foxes. And there's an old saying in the show: "One long runs the fox," and it's about time that they were exposed. This is going on. With the head of a long time, they have bashes here, there and everywhere. Do you know what, though? But, for sure, it, but it, then it, all it
1: means is the, that we've elected a, a, a shower of clowns.
19: Yes, but you see, if you saw this now in another country, right? right. What would you call it? The like a fine father, getting together just to keep the power. If you saw that now in another country, what would you call it? It's a, it, it was a coup. And that's corruption when you see that happening. As far as I'm concerned, now, now there are corrupt each and every one, them, because they got the power, they amalgamated together, which was wrong at the start anyway, and we are well put up
1: with it. I, I, it. I, suppose, I suppose we can revisit the episode all we want and imagine that some people are, maybe a lot of people are just sick to death of it and fed up of it. I, I suppose what I'm trying to kind of work out is as to whether if somebody says it was a monumental mistake, I wish to God I could get the time back again 15 days ago, I'd have done things so differently, please forgive right, me.
19: I tell you what, no, if there was a waiting went on and there was 81 people on on it, I tell you what, you you would never hear the end of it either. Oh, sure,
1: I know, and I was asking questions at the time why the guards didn't break it up, I know.
19: Every one of them that was at that party, that bash, right, they should should lose their positions, whatever their positions are. I mean, so how can that judge stand up if there's a public in front of him? And and how can the judge say, well, you broke the law? I mean, so he should be stripped of his fucking title.
1: We'll have to see what happens there because there's a big no, inquiry. You can, can take off
19: his black talk now in his weekend and business, as far as I'm concerned. So,
1: as to answer my question on forgiveness, then, Huh? <laughs> somebody How says I made a monumental error. I wish to God I could get my time back. Um,
19: Actually, look, hey, I'm
1: dear,
19: sorry. Hey. You, you see, that's all right. It's all right for the ordinary person. To make a mistake, but not when you're not when you're a public figure. You can't do those things. You can get away with it, Jesus.
1: When you're preaching at the public to do things right and not doing it yourself, this, that's, that makes it unforgivable for you then, does it?
19: It makes it, it, makes it very unforgivable, unforgivable to me now and I come to the positions. And okay. it's as simple as that. And all right. thing, all over, all over the country, don't go a second, all over the country, right? <laughs> You've got these golf fairies, like Ballybunion. They have the best of the coastal resorts taken up, and that is wrong. And the public, like the head of King's Hill, you can't go there either. That is wrong.
1: That's more power. All right, okay, well, there you go. Some say that uh, golf is a good walk spoiled. Um, actually, yeah, okay, just stay with Dan for now. I think we got him back online. the line. No, it's not, uh, it's not happening for me, guys. Tell you what, you might be interested in this because they got a right dressing down from the teacher yesterday when they all went back into the doll and had to sit down, those that were there anyway, and listen to the Count corla.
18: Because we're all aware an event in Clifton... Gave rise to the Taoiseach's decision to recall this stall early. The Taoiseach, the Taoiseach and many other leaders and public figures have quite rightly said that the dinner, hosted by the self-styled Arochdesk Golf Society, should never have happened. Members, we all make mistakes. There isn't one amongst us who, if they had their time over, would not change their approach to some issues or perhaps not engage with certain situations at all. That is perfectly normal. What isn't normal, however, is for well-intentioned, intelligent and otherwise competent people to make a collective decision that is in itself fundamentally wrong. Serious and indefensible breaches of public health regulations occurred on the 19th of August in Clifton. These breaches were either the result of collective crass stupidity or arrogant delusion, or both. The event and the circumstances which flowed from it has damaged public confidence in our public system, and confidence wasn't high at the best of times. Uh, And confidence in this, law has been damaged. So, members, as we gather today, it is incumbent upon us to collectively commit to working together to rebuild confidence in our parliamentary system. As legislatures, we make the rules, but the rules apply to everyone. And there can be no exceptions or special treatment. There must be fairness, consistency and solidarity as we tackle the scourge of COVID-19. And those who seek to fan the flames of understandable public anger are not serving the public interest. And neither was the public interest served by the sort of conduct that we witnessed here on the 30th of July uh, in our closing session. If public confidence in the 33rd Dáil is to be restored, then the public must be satisfied that the Dáil can conduct its business in a manner that is respectful, constructive and is as collegial as any political system can be. Those who advocate crude majoritarianism are as misguided as those who would shout down alternative voices. And again I put it to you, we must strive to actively listen to each other, to work together and to demonstrate to the Irish public that our one and only objective is to serve the best interests of that public. To conclude, I've asked the Oireachtas Golf Society to consider disbanding itself I have also satisfied myself on foot of research done by the clerk of the dole, that that golfing society was never formally established by the houses of the Oireachtas or has it ever in its 50 years of existence been subvented in any way by these houses. I have asked the clerk of the Doyle to establish whether there are any other groups in existence operating under the Oroctus name and symbol, and to report on this at the earliest possible date to the Committee
1: on Procedure. That's the Count a bit long-winded, I get that, but uh, I think he's going to be hunting down now uh, the Oroctus Tennis Society and the Oroctus Chess Society, or the Oireachtas Knitting Society, or any ones that exist, he calls it collective crass stupidity, arrogant delusions, and he said, we make the rules, but they apply to everyone, including the Dawes. It's an awful shame that uh, Keon Corla has to remind politicians that the rules also apply to them. Anyway, following my conversation with Gerry uh, Buttermore uh, about an hour ago, Mary, good morning. Good
20: morning, Um First of all, I'd like to say, yeah, it's easy to be sorry after you're caught, they all knew exactly what they were doing when they went to that dinner. And the Kenny and Dick Spring they knew what they were doing, but they walked away. They had the decency to walk away. The others were so arrogant that they decided, Oh, we can't be touched and it wouldn't have come out only for somebody blew the whistle and we would be on the wiser. And that's with Jerry Baltimore, and he's sorry. Yes, he's sorry. Yes, we forgive him. But I think he should lose his job. He should resign. That's my opinion.
1: All right, okay. Um, So if he were to resign in the Senate, you would then accept his apology, is it? And then you would forgive him?
20: I forgive him because we have to forgive. But he knew what he was doing. He didn't go in there blind. He didn't stay there blind. And I think also, like... He's not, if, he was, if he was capable of doing his job, he would have been adhering to government guidelines.
1: Well, you have to wonder you know, how, how much of them are paying attention, you know.
20: But, but that's their, their job, to pay attention. The ordinary man on the street is listening to the news every night of the week, and we're adhering to it. We're, we were in lockdown for three months, and we, ha- we had to do it. We had to adhere to it. They're talking about the youngsters on the, uh, having parties. That is worse than any youngsters having parties. Well,
1: the problem now is that, you see, is the young people will see that kind of carry on and that's why we have, um, you know, these um, raves being planned and buses hired yeah. to go to secret, exactly. okay? But you, can you blame young people for going to a rave if they see this shower going to a golf rave? That's
20: exactly what I'm saying. And also, there was 81 of them there. Yeah. There was okay. only a handful of them there. I'm in.
1: interested in forgiveness. That's what I'm interested in this morning because we all know the story, but at, w- at what point do we say, okay... I've heard what you've had to say. I forgive you. Now move on.
20: I heard what he has to say and I listened to what he has to say but I also think he should resign.
1: Okay, okay.
20: And bigger. so should the other two are there as well. Should be
1: a bigger price to pay then?
20: They should, yeah, because it's a very serious thing.
1: Okay, thank you for that. Much obliged. one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. I believe he is sorry and everyone deserves a second chance and I for one think he needs recognition for accounting for his stupid action. Uh, another one here. I'm a very good friend of Jerry Bottomer but I think what he has done is an absolute disgrace. Disrespectful to us all and I will never vote for Fine Gael again. Morning. They brought the country into disrepute by their attendance and every one of them should be sacked full stop. Simple as says Bobby. If anyone breaches regulations you are fined. Jerry has been fined by resi- resigning. Uh, he paid way more than anyone would have been fined. Jerry's a working public rep. Cor cannot afford to lose him or his political experience. The political experience is what is, is questionable now. If you go to an event like that and you're I've said it before. It was not a mistake, it was not a judgment of error, it was not anything like that. It was blatant wrongdoing. Uh, but mistakes and wrongdoings must be forgiven if the offender is genuinely sorry. I think the country will benefit from this as it will serve as a reminder in the future and it gives the people more power now that it is seen that nonsense is no longer going to be tolerated, says Lawrence. Uh, uh, Oh, this is so sad. I had an argument with my friend and I wasn't speaking to him. Two months ago, he was shifted to hospital. I couldn't visit him. He died and I couldn't go to the funeral. But most importantly, I hadn't a chance to say I'm sorry. Now, that really puts it in perspective, doesn't it? Uh, morning, Neil. Isn't it an awful coincidence that all of the Golfgate lads who wrote and enforced the COVID legislation on the rest of us just so happened to get cut out the very first time they broke the rules? Yeah, and uh, some of them did, including Derek O'Leary, who was in the Cabinet at the time and you know would have known that the numbers had changed and, and stuff like that. All right, I can come back to that uh, if needs be. Text 86 Pick up the phone on one 106 uh, and give us a bell. Is that it? There is that Christy. Yeah, is it, that is that is that Christy Moore? I think, I think it is. Have a, have a listen to this. This I just maybe maybe I'm just being too light hearted about things.
12: I can't stop digging. I'm down in a hole. I spent mid old and polish coal. I'm tired of eating toast and beans, and that man at the door—he's here to test me means. I hate
16: politicians.
12: I hate politicians, and I can't think straight. I hate politicians in the state of the state. They're putting on the poor mouth. They're putting on the weight. They better not come around to my front gate. I got a big ulcer. He's always waiting. He doesn't hang about, he doesn't hesitate, get him certain, get him boy, go get him certain, there's a good boy, I head politician, a head politician. They're going to do this and they're going to do that. They've got the greedy little fingers in the pension pot. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Don't come canvassing to my front door, bitches. They'll talk all right. They'll talk all day and they'll talk all night. I blah, 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 blah. blah. We'll be looking at ways we can better facilitate the formulation of a coherent strategy designed to lead us into the future with confidence in our proven ability to communicate on a meaningful level in an open and fair transparent society with frontline facilities, roads and utilities opening up new lines of inquiry about the possibility of um, phasing out the elderly. Politicians and I don't mind saying they got the gall and the ball and the chain and the army and the navy and the gravy and the chain and they're trying to sell us water and it's pissing down a rain. I'm sorry, no, the minister's and holidays in Florida. He left my granny in a trolley in the corridor. She's out there now, B.J. Yeah, she's filling out forms. Do you share a bat with your spouse or your partner? What sort of a question is that for me, Granny? <laughs> we we'll be doing our best to address the mess left for us by our predecessors. <laughs> vote for him, vote for me. Tweedledum and Tweedledee. <laughs> I can't stop digging. I'm down in a hole. I spent my doll on Polish coal. I'm tired of eating toast and beans. That man at the door, he's here to test me means. Don't talk to me about politicians. How
1: does he do it? What does he do with that man? He's just such an incredible talent. We missed him in the tent this summer. I don't know whether he's listening down there in West Cork or wherever he is, but morning to you, Christy, a mighty man. I hate politicians. <laughs> Maybe it's just my weird sense of humour. I just love that. An awful lot of truth in it, lads, huh? Anyway, listen, I can come back to that. There is another song uh, that I have. Uh, I'm kind of The Gander's up now for music and there'll be no stopping me between now and <laughs> There's another song knocking around which is a chap with a guitar and a French beret and he does a thing called the Golfgate song. Have you guys heard that out there in listening land? Uh, And he just does it to the tune of Peter Sarsdett's Where Do You Go To My Lovely? And somebody said I'd love to play it but they're roaring and screaming at me not to but I think it's a fantastic piece. I don't know like maybe finish with it this morning. Do you want to hear the Golfgate song to the tune of Peter Sarsdett's Where Do You Go To My Lovely? Text 0868104106. Anyway let's squeeze in as much as we can this side of midday. Susanna standing by. First up, Sharon, good morning. Hi, Neil. Doreen started this earlier this morning, and I'm sure she might be feeling a little better now. Eight weeks gone, not being able to take her partner to a scan, not being able to go into the hospital with him, staying for the labour and all the kind of things. She's very fearful. Help her out, will you? Yeah.
21: Um, well, I had my baby curled the 2nd of May, which was the height of our lockdown, if you can remember. There was nothing open and everything. That's right. Um, it was my third baby, no worry. But I actually found it better than the other two. The other two ladies. Because some
1: people say that as well about weddings. Oh, and some people are even, even me included, saying it about funerals. I can
21: tell you now, Neil, I had my first little girl um, over at CUMH or whatever. And I had her kind of about midday, we say. And I was being brought back up to the ward at about, I'd say it must have been about two o'clock in around that time. But it was vis- visiting times. And honest to God, the midwife was bringing me in on the wheelchair and I couldn't get into the room with the people in front of me. There were so many visitors in the room. There was dads, there was kids, there was grandparents, which is to be expected, but I just remember the midwife asking people, could they move? I couldn't get to my bed. I went in in May to have my little girl, and like that, no, I got a semi-private room. There was nobody in the other bed, um, so I had a room to myself. The doctors would just come in and check me. I'd see the the dinner lady, who I was always happy to see, and now my husband obviously couldn't come up, but that suited me because we had two kids at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I like I had no visitors. It was so quiet. It was so peaceful. Um, the midwives were fantastic. Honest to God, they were fantastic. Now, I did wait as long as I could at home on the Friday night she was born on Saturday. When I went in, I was like the three centimetres. So my husband was outside. He got tested like everyone else. Waited in the car park and the midwife advised me, you know, when you're in the A&E park and they check you, nah. she said to me, I'm she said you're three centimetres, she said you're, you're progressing well, she said if you were to hang on here till you got another centimetre up, she said you could go straight to the labour ward instead of going upstairs to the ward. So I was happy to do that and literally I was there 20 minutes, half an hour. She went out, called my husband, straight in, straight down to the labour ward. And it was, It was the hospital was so quiet, so relaxed. There was no people running around. Like, sometimes I think the midwives are under more pressure with visitors. I I can understand that lady's concern. No, I really can It's her first baby. But they're brilliant and they don't leave your So what would you be saying no, to her?
1: Relax. Her, your husband relax. was able to stay as long as he wanted afterwards and as
21: afterwards well. afterwards, he was there for... Like, I think he was actually there over two hours and I got tired and I actually... He said, overstayed his welcome, started. I'd say, did he? Oh, but did, do you know what? They kept coming in and saying, your grand stay there, were quite enough outside. today. They're a bit longer, if you like. I got tired and I said to him, look, you just have to go home. I'm wrecked. So I went upstairs with the baby and he went off home to the kids, you know what I mean? And it was like, they were brilliant. They didn't leave my side because, and especially, I think like, when it's her first baby, they will even be you know, they, they'll stay with her, they'll comfort yeah, her. I know yeah. you still want them there for stuff, but I, I found it better. If yeah. I was to be honest, it was better than the other two. Well said. So okay, right.
1: so I hope Doreen is listening and she'll take some... Con- consolation is the wrong word. Maybe comfort and, uh, and she'll feel an awful lot better about it.
21: Like I, can I just pick up on one other thing as well? You said this morning about someone made a comment about... Um, the labor ward is no place for the men. well i won't i
1: won 't actually describe the... i won 't actually read out how he what he described the the labor ward as the the theater as being you know he he was quite yeah. graphic if i didn 't read that out but
21: no i can I just say my husband came in, know it was his third time in the labor ward as i said um but like I do progress on very very fast i'm very lucky now I have to say of great laborers. but like you know when I go in at the midwives they're only with you twenty minutes they don 't know your background they're like they 're trying to catch up on everything. And you know, as I was going through all the the, the pain and the jigs and the reels and everything, my husband knew by me that I was progressing on faster. And they were kind of still saying, "As she's grand away, you know, she's doing well." Just that, but like he, oh. midwife in there, but he was brilliant. you. Yeah.
1: no, he. About, it's like, just that the texter was saying that men don't belong in labour wards.
21: Well, he, I have to say, no, my own husband was brilliant in there. He was like, they're like part of the midwife in there so I don't believe that at all I know some men probably find it hard and as I said no it's his third time around so he could have put on a pair of gloves they would say no at this stage you know what I mean and fall in with him
1: <laughs> but um, no <laughs> I don't agree <laughs> <Yeah>. have <laughs> the fourth one ok we'll have the fourth one at home so and let him deliver it
21: no no make, no I'm Grand O'Neill I have two girls <laughs> and a boy I'm sorry all right. ok that job
1: done two girls and a boy fair play thanks for that Sharon Suzanne
8: Hi, how are you?
1: You had a baby daughter during um, the heavier restrictions at CUMH, did you?
8: Yeah, I suppose I did. Um, She's four weeks now today, so um, she's doing great, Bonnie. um, We love her debates, but it was a bit of um, a tough time, I suppose, with the partners not being allowed in. Um, I was very lucky that I arrived at CUMH, uh, CUMH and I was put up to the ward, and Dan then was able to come in maybe about six hours when I was, um, after I had progressed to four centimetres. So he was in for about 12 to 14 hours. Unfortunately, it took that long to get from A to B, but um, he was in for about 12 to 14 hours, which was amazing. But um, I suppose the whole thing is just crazy that he was allowed in for 12 to 14 hours, but then he's not allowed in for the days after, for maybe a half an hour or so. So I kind of found that quite difficult.
1: Um, um, there was, there's no visiting at all after the labour. So there's after babies delivered, no, you can. No, there's
8: not. Yeah. No, yeah. there's not. Like he was allowed to stay for um, Dan was allowed to stay for an hour. Um, but it's just, it was very hard because I had uh, a big baby and um, I had an awful lot of stitches. Um, so I was left really for the three days. Alone inside, I know the midwives are there, but they're busy. They're not going to be with you 24-7. I was having to get up and out of bed, um, not knowing what to do with. A baby, I suppose, being a first-time mom, um, a lot of stitches, that was the most difficult part. Um, if Dan was allowed in, I would have probably recovered better at the moment. This week is my first week actually being Proper, able to walk around. Um, so and it was
1: his company you missed. You missed,
8: obviously. Um, it, it it wasn't really. It was actually just for somebody to be there, like my husband, to be able to pick Bonnie up, and for me not to have to jump out of bed if you know if if I uh, yeah, needed to. Yeah, you know, yeah, it was it was yeah. quite hard for my recovery. But I suppose being on Instagram and having an account on Instagram and a lot of new new moms following me, and I get questions every single day about them being just so nervous about going in and really it is okay and we will get through it and you will get through it if you are going to have a baby in the next few weeks but it is very tough like it's very hard on the fathers as well actually um i know the mothers um are doing all the work whatever but the fathers it's very hard like i know dan my husband found it very hard not to be in to see his new daughter and to hold her and kiss her and love her um but we got home and we're we're okay but it is. It is a very tough time to. Um, All right. To, okay. Yeah. To to have a baby. Yeah. So you're singing. You're tough.
1: probably singing "My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean," then, are you?
8: That's it. We're singing at three a.m. in the morning. So if you'd like to um, <laughs> come and do a few uh, a few um, a few lines of it at three, and uh, we'll give you the address. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: but I, I, no, but I will give your blog a plug It's Sudan House on Insta. Is it?
8: Yeah, that's it then. So it started off as um as a self-build account and I suppose maybe I should be thankful for the covid because I've I've gained I suppose god 14,000 followers since uh, March. So it's kind of been a bit crazy. I think people were bored at home and have uh, decided to pick up and listen to my madness um, with house stuff and baby stuff and everything. You see everything on it. There yeah. you go. Fashion and All right. So it is it. great. Yeah, it's a lovely it? little uh, community. Take
1: care. Thanks for that, Suzanne. Thanks, appreciate you. it. There's a lot of stuff happening online actually, and a lot of it actually is quite hmm, questionable, to say the least. Lately, myself and my friends have been taken away by the content that has been coming up on the news feeds, on social media. Some girls are now using the app OnlyFans to make a fortune for themselves. This is a place where people can post and share raunchy, nudes, explicit or racy videos and pictures of themselves freely. I'm not so sure it's free. Uh, this has been going on for a while and people are jumping on the bandwagon with this. I've heard of a few girls in Ireland that made an absolute bomb of money through using OnlyFans and posting nude photographs. They're reaping in cash dollars. Some are making up to 50 grand. A lot of these girls appear to be influencers or they have high social media followings and you'd hear stories of them going naked on camera or doing nude shoots for money. They also advertise it through Instagram and sometimes post this content to their pages. Don't get me wrong, I'm all for female empowerment and feeling good about yourself and your body, Women do get slut-shamed a lot and there's a lot of double standards out there. It's controversial territory being a female sometimes. I will say the girls have amazing bodies. I won't give out about that. They obviously worked very hard and are very brave to post photographs of themselves and videos. However, I would be concerned about potential employers that may see this content posting a red flag if they come across their social media accounts with naked photos. Also, what if they're currently employed and their managers see it? They may not have concern, though, if they're making thousands of euro. Each to their own. I'm not judging anyone here, but I'd be worried about them securing jobs or the content they upload online being used maliciously. There are a lot of weird and dangerous people out there, especially after the incidents recently with revenge porn and upskirting, says Rebecca. Um, I think this may have featured um, when I was away um, a few weeks back, but OnlyFans is a platform where it is a primarily girls, or, or no? There are guys on it as well. Um, you pay a monthly fee, and they send you photographs of themselves, um, explicit photographs. You pay a monthly fee, and they show you show you sexually orientated videos of themselves. Um, I don't see any part of this where people are being forced, uh, you know, to post photographs, or I don't see any part of this where a woman has uh, a private video posted against her wishes i mean these are consenting adults from what i can see um making money uh, online privately yeah. is that such a bad thing am i, am I missing something here um, anyway your thoughts on that are welcome text 086 8104 106
6: The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday, 1850-104-106.
1: On the uh, planned rave that I spoke to you about, there's a Cork rave being planned. It's sold out and the buses are organized and everything. We don't know the secret location. We know the cost and where it is. And I'm not anybody's judge and jury. I'm only here to share stories with you, give people platforms and not here to be giving anybody a... you know. Uh, looking down on people for the things that they do in any way, shape, or form, but some people might find it reckless in these times. And um, mind you, you got to get the opinions of the young people on that one, I suppose. But the guards said that the pandemic. We asked the guards, "What do you make of this rave that's happening? That this secret location? there would be over a hundred them parting uh, from 10 p.m. until eight in the morning, and then the bus will bring them back to Cork, or the buses. i do not sure. They'd need more than one bus, I'd imagine. And they said in their response, "The COVID-19 pandemic remains a, remains a public health crisis, and the guardie continue to appeal to all." citizens to comply with public health guidelines uh, these uh, guidelines are for the safety and well-being of everybody people who are thinking of attending any event should consider this and their own personal and social responsibility i don't thank you for that that was in the guard so you know clearly they wouldn't be bigging up a, a, a secret rave um, interestingly i'd like to know what the thoughts are of the coach company that are taken Um, all of these people to the rave you know even if they say okay well you're going to need enough buses now so there's physical distancing do they know that it's a rave that everybody's going that they're facilitating this Uh, but you know i can't find out don't know the name of the bus company. If I did, I would give him a call of that, you can be sure. Uh, on Jerry Bottomer's conversation with me this morning, a lot of people saying, excellent, the Christy Moore song was brilliant. He made my day. Delighted. I'm fully in support of a man that has the guts to trade with you this morning, acknowledging he made a mistake. I see Jerry daily walking, and this, I can tell you, is weighing heavily upon him. Uh, thank you for that. That's interesting. Anyone that would have the guts to trade with you in the morning, as in come on and answer your questions, acknowledge he's made a mistake, um, We need to bear that in mind. How in God's name can Jury say it's a learning experience for him? Is it not common sense? How can he say that as a member of the government, each and every one of them knew the guidelines? Uh, They gave the guidelines to the country in the first place. This is unbelievable. Uh, Thank you. You lightened the mood with Christy Moore. With regards to Golfgate, a monumental error of judgment multiplied by 81 that's what we pay them for, their judgment, the decisions they make. For God's sake, says Martin. Um, would love to hear the Golfgate song. What a tune by Christy Lovett, says Mary Jane. He's just a national treasure, Christy Moore. Jerry was only sorry because he got caught uh, anything for a free night and a free food. There, nothing was free about it and that's the whole thing. Uh, it wasn't as if it was a jolly. Well, it was a jolly in the sense that they shouldn't have been at it, but they paid for the golf and they paid for the dinner, and I'm not here uh, to defend their activities. Right, I'm going to love you and leave you. Our lines will stay open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. 106 You can text 086-8104-106. Uh, let's lighten the mood yet again. Um, I don't know who this gentleman is, uh, more mature guitar singer-songwriter, but this is his song, the Golfgate song.
16: Some of us are in this all together. The Eruptus Golfing Society Song The new Minister for Agriculture is a golfer of high renown He's got a swing just like Maria Bailey And he drives just like Barry Cowan, turn around The Eruptus Golfing Society are off to Clifton for a few rounds with their heads in the sand and only Cassidy in command did they know they were all out of bounds yes they did oh they just weren't thinking clearly and no one shouted for the golden circle remains unbroken and the wolf is at the door oh, from brussels to kilkenny and from the k club big phil hogan he did arrive and with a confident smile he hit the ball of mine and he won the longest rhyme as yes, he did he got a george foreman grill for his trouble the gravy train is a gold mine, but one lady could soon burst his bubble. Madam Ursula from their line, she's the boss. Where did you go to Phil Hogan? Have you heard of COVID-19? You shouldn't have gone down to Clifton. You should have been in quarantine, yes you should The Eruptus, golfing Society In Connemara, they had a great time But to what to their walls, sure everyone knows The cover-up is worse than the crime, yes it is Or oh, they'll try to forget about Clifton the TDs and whips at the park. We're the blind and the blind and Big Phil resigned and Derek Cleary. Well, he got the sack, yes he did. We're well, the rotis golfing society. Do as we say, not as we do. Some of us are in this all together, and it's definitely not
0: me and you.